0: Welcome to El Oso Fumar Takes. This is our 173rd take, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Euless, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. Tonight's an honor. It is an honor because it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, everyone. We're going to get to great introductions of our two fabulous guests in just a second. But before we get to them, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. That, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Juro Estate. Juro Estate is marking their 25th, yes, their 25th anniversary of the rebirth of cigars movement this year. To celebrate the momentum, this momentous occasion, the company is inviting you, consumers, retailers, and cigar media alike, to its epic. Blowout, birthday bash, entitled DE25. Yes, DE25 will be held on September 25th of this year at South Fork Ranch in Parker, Texas. Yes, that's actually not in the middle of nowhere. It's just a stone's throw away from the Dallas-Fort Worth metropolitan area. The DE25 celebration will include unveiling of Drew Estate's newest brands with a first-to-experience approach for consumers and trade partners together. Buy your tickets today at drewestate.com slash DE25. Yes, get your tickets now drewestate.com slash de25 and join the celebration of 25 years of drew estate It's my pleasure to welcome for our 173rd take our guests are sponsored by united cigar smoke one today and start living united misters tom lazuka and tracy spence gentlemen
1: how are we doing tonight doing great ah doing fantastic thanks for having us on the show bear happy father's Thank day you. gentlemen Happy
2: Father's
1: oh, you Day! You Yeah, Happy Father's Day to you both, uh, everybody out there listening.
0: It is, uh, it is, it's one of those, it's one of those days that as uh, they, it kind of gets, as it gets closer and closer, like you forget that it's going to happen, and then when it lands, you're, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I'm, I just, I get really excited like the, the couple of days before, and it, I, I just, yeah, I get, uh, I get all, you know, nostalgic and, you know get all the feels. I don't know how you guys
1: are. <laughs> so, no, uh, you know, for me, ahead. it's just, it's one of those things, right? Like, I, you know, being on the road for so many years, like, there's been a number of father's days where I've had to work and be on the road. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, my kids are, you know, my kids are a little older now, so they're, they're, you know, 18 and 16. So, you know, they reached out to me this morning and, I knew I'd be traveling this week. I'm down in Miami this week. So we, we went out on the boat last week and hung out, you know, last weekend we really kind of did our father's day a a week in advance. Uh, but I had the pleasure, like I said, of coming down, you know, with, uh, my future wife, my, my, my fiance, her, her son, he's doing an uh, internship with us for like six weeks in Miami. So we drove down Friday night, uh, it drove straight through 22 hours to Miami oh my gosh from Detroit, just hammered it out. And uh, so we got to Miami yesterday and got here, took a little, you know, took a little siesta, then had some dinner. And then today we went out together and, uh, you know, ha- had a brunch and then went out to the wharf and on, on the Miami river, and hung out, you know, had, had a few adult beverages today. And then we got back so I could do this on time. So, I, I could not complain about my father's day. I had a great, great father's day. Uh, you know, like I said, my 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 boys are, you know, I got to spend it with them last weekend, and today I got to spend it with one of my uh uh you know Zach, my my uh future son-in-law, so not son-in-law, stepson, 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 yeah. yeah. So we had a great time. So I was very blessed. Had a great day today. That's awesome. 22 hours, Tom. That's just insane. Dude, we rocked it straight through, man. He was a trooper. Because normally, like, listen, I grew up on the road, right? Like traveling, whatever. I drive 15, 16 hours at a time. But he hammered out the first nine hours. I hammered out nine hours. He did two. I did two. We were in Miami. So it it was, uh, we we had a good ride. Nice. Hey, I just, uh, my kids went to my parents'
2: house. Weekend, so my wife orchestrated that I could uh, sleep in today. I got to uh, poop undisturbed, you know. Little things, <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, uh, you know. There's nothing like man time, you know. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it's the little they, things.
2: Oh, sprinkler head, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna do some stuff. <laughs> I didn't do go. much. Yeah, <laughs> and now, now we're doing this. There we go. My kids, From- man, they got this uh, Lego set. Like, it's a shadow box they had to put together, and uh, my wife orchestrated that, too. And uh, so they had to put all the pieces together, and then it comes with, like, sayings underneath each these little things. And I, it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen, let alone received. So it was, uh, it was pretty special. The fact that my kids worked together, my wife made my kids work together to put it together made it even more special.
0: Yeah, I saw that gift, man. I, I, I didn't realize you were – I've known you for I've known you for over a decade now. I know that that's crazy to think about, but it may even be longer than that. <laughs> I, I, I never knew you were a Star Wars fan until until I saw that
2: gift. I, you know I appreciate Star Wars, but I appreciate that gift even more. You know because it was like awful it. and there was they had to work on it, and uh, I mean I like I like the movies. I like Star Wars. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm not like a hardcore quote every movie and tell you which one's better than one. No, I just appreciate entertainment for entertainment. But uh, I appreciate more that my kids took the time to put every one of those Lego pieces together. I mean, I never had Legos whenever I was a kid. So <laughs> I'm glad they know how to work them because that was not my my uh, forte
1: there. Tracy, pull out your lightsaber, bro. You got one. I know you got one close, bro. <laughs> pull it out. He's got more
0: more than one lightsaber, Tom. They're just called called knives. They're all over the place. i got a few on
2: me. You know, I'm always prepared for cutting a cigar or, you know, using it as a roach clip or whatever.
0: It's – still one of my favorite comments to make, uh, you know, when he when because it, it's like one of the like one of the like the tourist attractions when people go to people go to Michael's Tobacco, they hear about the legend of Tracy. And there's so many parts to this legend. But one of the things is the knives. And then someone will eventually say at some point in the evening, hey, Tracy, go ahead and empty your pockets. And it takes about two tables to continue, you know, to get all the knives. <laughs> That's even before he, lighters and cutters. Yeah,
1: he's like a, a, a John Wick movie. Yeah, I mean, it just keeps right. going. My
2: last name is Spence, so I think that translates to dispenser So I'm the yeah. dispenser of weapons. I don't that's know how right. to use any of my little cut cigars, but you know, that's <laughs> right. You got them. You got them. Yeah, I got them. I got them.
0: My favorite comment always to make on those posts though is is like, "Oh, there's a light day for you." Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, I people ask how many are you carry, I'm like, I, I don't know. It's whatever I can shove in my pocket. For my wife, is like, "Shut up! You're making too much noise." <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I really, I, I'm really thankful for y'all uh, meeting
0: with me tonight and having this uh, this conversation on this on this special day for all of us, right? You know, we're we're the three of us are blessed to be fathers, and uh, you know, Tom, you you were the inspiration for the show. Uh, you know, last year it, it was kind of a coincidence. I you know I asked you to be on my show, and it, it ended up being on Father's Day, and. Um, it turned out to be one of one of my personal favorite shows that I've ever done. Um, and and I was racking my brain this year. I was like, oh, I'd love to do that again. And I was thinking, well, let's not complicate it. Let's just, uh, you know, let me just ask you if you'll do it again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that was easy answer, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I enjoyed doing the show, you know, I don't know, what is that, third or fourth time, you know, throughout the years doing the mm-hmm. show with you. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I love, it's a great way for us to catch up on what's going, because obviously I can't be in, uh, in Uly, uh, Texas all the time and catch up. So it's a great way for us to just to reconnect and talk about family and the things that are important outside of our business, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as a as a twist this
0: year, I decided to bring on uh, Tracy Spence, who I who is infamous on this show because I quote him almost weekly i won't say weekly for (laughs) sure but almost weekly um telling either a lesson he's taught me about the cigar business a quote that he said um or anything so this is this is really special for me so tracy thank you so much for joining us uh it's just a real pleasure to have you so so i mean let's kick things off. i mean i know we've kind of kind of very broken the ice already i mean you know you know we got about five seconds into it before tracy started talking about this the solitude he had on the toilet this morning so um, which is
2: not a knock hey, I, mean, every I think we dad out there it. every dad out there was just jealous
0: a hundred percent no no lie there a hundred percent so I uh, just wanted to know what, what did we all light up tonight what are we what are we smoking uh Tracy what did you light up
2: uh Medula, Maduro oh right. uh, nice Tom there
1: yeah, yeah I, listen I like I like your thought I, I am uh, currently smoking a medulla. Uh, pardon me, an oblongata Maduro. Hey, man. I'll do the medulla. You do the oblongata. There we go. There we
2: go. We got Get
0: it. Uh,
1: water, yes, sir. <laughs> I
2: um,
0: I loved I love that project uh, from the onset, um, and I love the original iteration of it. And then when you guys did the Maduro, it was really exciting. Um, So, Tom, you and
2: I have been talking about this project. Can I can ask project. you a question quick, Please. I don't mean to. Hey, so is it true that you guys named it after a certain movie out there? We're not going to say the name, but uh, for for, for the shared
1: love of a movie out there? You asking Bear or are you asking me? I'm asking you. Yeah, you said Bear, so I wanted to share, bro.
2: Yeah, (laughs)
1: absolutely, man. Like, You know, Christian is a huge movie buff. So, you know, if if, if you know Christian Aroa, my business partner and all this, My mentor in the cigar business, like, he is a huge movie buff. And uh, so when we did this, uh, this was 100% based off of uh, Bobby Boucher and, uh, you know, the water book. That's
2: some high quality H2O there. That's some
1: (laughs) high, 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 high quality H2O, my friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, we can
0: do it. We can do it all night long. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love that. I still love that movie. I don't care how old I get. That's the, that movie will still be funny. Some of the some of the stuff that comes out nowadays, I'm not so sure about. But that that was funny.
1: Yeah, that was. Funny. Uh, listen, look, you, you can knock, you know, Adam Sandler and his roles or whatever they are, right? They, they're they're very consistent. But that uncut gems role was awesome. Oh God, it was a good movie. That was a good. That was a too. good. That was a good movie, man. He 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 went another level there. That was awesome.
0: So, um, I, as I take my cigar out of my mouth, I am I, I am smoking. Tom, you and I were talking about this cigar for a couple weeks for the past couple of weeks. I was able to orchestrate a trade, and I got I got one. So I've got the unhinged from Winwood Hills, yeah. the unhinged, and then I was I got another one too. I got the deranged as well. In the 60-gauge, which we're going to talk about here, because um, I know I know Tracy's over there just, just thinking about how, <laughs> how crazy it is that I'm smoking a 60-gauge, not one, but two 60-gauge cigars, um, but uh, but that, that kind of goes into the story about larger gauges, so uh, Tom, I swear to God, this is the last time you're going to have to hear this story from me, I promise, <laughs> okay? Listen,
1: but, it, tra- it, it sounds good every time, bro, it's good, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Tracy's a key player in this story, though. So my yeah. audience gets to hear it again. So, so um, I, I I'm, I'm not a 60 gauge fan. I'm not a Gordo fan. My audience knows this. Everybody knows this. Tracy's known this for years. And I've worked for Tracy for a very long time. And one of the things that a good leader does is he always challenges you. And one thing that Tracy always did every shift was like, okay, Barry, you can go smoke what you want, but here you go. You're going to smoke a Gordo. And like almost every shift he would put a Gordo in my hand to smoke. Um, um, Because he knew I didn't like him. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) and I love you, Trace. That's a beautiful thing. (laughs) So one day I I get, I get to the point like where I'm just like, well, fuck it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to show him. Right. So I go in, the first cigar I grab to start the evening is I grab the Asylum 7x70. Seven I'm like, finally, This is at least worth two shifts for me, right? Like I can get a <laughs> reprieve. I'm like, okay. So I, so I light this thing up and I'm smoking it and I'm, I'm actually, <laughs> this sounds so terrible with you in front of me. Not I'm really enjoying it. I'm surprised, but I'm really enjoying it. And I'm like, holy crap. And, and it goes the whole night. It lasts the yeah, whole yeah. night and, um, you know, we're done. We close up, the, we close up the shop and we're out in the parking lot. I'm still smoking this thing. I'm dad's down to my fingertips and, and, and Tracy kind of just looks at me. And he's like, well, and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, it can't get better. There's no way. There's no way it could get better than this. Uh, a 70 gauge cigar at least. So it was the first 70 gauge cigar I ever smoked. And uh, I, I maintain that I, I maintain that uh, while there are some excellent uh, large gauge makers out there, Tom, that you that you were the you were the first to convert me to, or I can <laughs> tolerate and even enjoy them. Even I later. appreciate that.
1: I appreciate it, Barry. You know, thank, you, tra- say, I thank you, thank you, Tracy. Smoking size, I wasn't going to. <laughs> uh, listen, I appreciate I will you say, for I, that-
2: I smoked a I smoked a big time Tommy the other day, and that yeah. thing was man freaking tastic. So. You know hey. I, I still smoke it because that's our job as tobacconists is to make sure that we smoke everything in all sizes, even if it ain't our thing. Yeah, And uh because it's somebody's and we gotta talk to them about it. And uh, you know, we gotta we gotta find some pleasantries to say. So uh that was part of the challenge for all of us. I mean, Bear, Bear's never said a bad thing about a cigar before, so I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna make you smoke some big stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, listen, Tracy. We got we well. We at least got a six sixty big time Tommy coming out. So we just we just did the launch event with Dave at two guys up in uh, New Hampshire. All nice. right. So uh, the six sixty big time Tommies are on their way soon. We no, just got to make
2: smoke a seventy or eighty or 90, 60 Just didn't that big anymore. It didn't feel big, <laughs> right? It's like no, you... it's like you know, just like a Robusto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And that's, ex- no, and that's exactly, that was exactly what you said that night, Tracy, like after we were finishing, he's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're never going to complain about a 60 again. And, and you know what he's and it, it's a hundred percent, right. It is a hundred percent, right. Well, well, they're still not necessarily, like a lot of times they're still not my favorite. I can really enjoy. Cause we were talking about this Tom. Cause I was like, man, I really want to get my hands on some more of these unhinged. And you're like, well, I got some robustos. And I was like,
1: I
2: kind of want the 60 gauge.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so- Mara, I'll send you something, no big deal. He's like, no, no, no. No, I'm like, I don't have any sixties. I'll get you the, we'll, we'll get them to you. He's like, no, no, I'll buy them, whatever. But I'm like, I'm like, wait, you want the sixties?
0: Things things do come around full circle every once in a while. So, you know, it's all, it's
1: all right. It's a beautiful thing.
0: So so, gentlemen in the spirit of things, speaking of full circle and in the spirit of today's holiday, um, you know, it, you know, fatherhood, fatherhood has, many beautiful things. And it, there's a lot of beautiful moments. We shared a couple already. And um, but there are a lot of there are a lot of hard things. There are a lot of challenges with that, that comes with fatherhood. And we learn these. We learn these in, in, the, in the you know, in the, the great thing about us as fathers is we've learned this two ways. We've learned this as children. We were once children. And we've learned this as fathers because we are fathers today. So um, I wanted to I wanted to pose the question and you can answer you can answer either one and what ways. But I, I wanted to ask wanted to pose this question to you. Was the hardest thing you learned about fatherhood as a child or as a father? And what was that lesson?
2: Well, as a father. Absolutely. Yeah. OK, well, what was the lesson, Tracy? i uh, there's been so many. I mean, so many. Like you understand as soon as they come out, you see them for the first time. That's the first time in your life. You truly understand and can grasp like unadulterated, pure, just absolutely undying love for a creature, a human being. And uh, like, like it, 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 and and then it sinks in that this is now your responsibility. and, though there's books on kids and instructions and everybody's got parental advice uh, that all goes out the window because each individual little child comes out different. They learn differently. They, they love differently. They, they, everything about them is different. And so you have to start all over to try to figure out how this thing that came with no instructions works. And as a, you know, as a man, that's hard as a dad, you're like, ah, oh, don't break it. So, I mean, it's it's a. Uh, there's been so many. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I will say though that one of the things that nobody ever tells you is babysitting is an anomaly. Like you're cleaning up a baby, and you think that you got away scot free, and it's somehow on the ceiling fan, and inside your sock, and you can't explain that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Like they painted the walls and you're like how does a small creature cost so much <laughs> and yet you, you, you're you like oh you get the little diaper on them and uh, send them on their way and then you look up and you're like well what, 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 why is my ceiling fan stinky so like I don't know I've so many lessons that I've been learned
1: <laughs> uh, the, the first lesson you learn with children is you, you fucking protect yourself with the diaper bro Oh yeah, you know what I mean, like because you're gonna get hit in the face if you don't, you know. It's, it's a lesson <laughs> that you don't learn until it happens, though. Like, ah, yeah. uh, exactly. My dad never warned me about that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, they I teach see. you all the lessons. To oh, be yeah. a man after they don't teach you how to be a dad. Sometimes, you know what I'm saying? I, well, I mean, yeah, I didn't have anybody teach me how to be a dad. Yeah, so,
2: I mean, stepdad uh, from from the time uh, I was like eight. And, uh, other than that it was my mom, my grandmother and, uh, and, uh, my great granddad. And he was pretty much like, uh, just, uh, shut up and, uh, let the women do their talking and, uh, don't make <laughs> mad. So, I mean, it, it was uh, my stepdad, he, he, he was a kid himself raising, raising someone else's kids. So yeah, that, it, he was figuring it out himself. So, I mean, it's, it's been, uh, a lot of, uh. There's a lot of things. No matter how much you try to read on, in no matter how instruction manuals, I never had anxiety until setting up a car seat because you read the instructions to a car seat. <laughs> it's like do this right, or you will kill the baby. And it's like what? <laughs> you know that
0: brings up a really good point, though, Trace. Because like, okay, so you're you're one of the you're one of the mm-hmm. toughest dudes I've ever met. Like seriously, like like you're you're like uh, like the not. The, the, the definition of a guy's guy has this, this different definition today. Like they picture like, you know, mad men, a guy in a suit sitting in a ad exec with smoking a cigarette and stuff. Except for my man's man definition is smoke, you know, sitting at Michael smoking a cigar and sharpening his knives, you know, like that's, that's you. Right. But, you know, you had these, you had these, these really prominent, I mean, we're talking about father's day and everything, but you had this really prominent, you know, uh, female, uh, you know, you know, dominance in your life in terms of upbringing. You know, you had your, you had your mother, you had your grandmother. I know they played a very important part of you and everything, oh, but, but I think that's because I think, you know, my, my father taught me sentiment. My father taught me emotion. Like that's where I, that's where my emotions come from. And you, you both know me, I'm a pretty emotional, sentimental guy. That's where it comes from Is my father, my toughness um, you know, whatever toughness does exist comes from my mother. Yeah. Which I think is interesting.
2: You know, well, I mean, look at it this way. There wouldn't be father's days if there wasn't mothers. So like we wouldn't be here without our moms. And yeah, I mean, I, I my mom, she was tougher than nails. My grandmother was tough enough. My great grandmother, she still terrifies me. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a, I learned my toughness from them. You know, it's a, they, they it's, they're always wanting to stand up strong. Don't, don't back down because the world will eat you alive, you know? Like, they had to play multiple roles in, in mine and my brother's lives. Uh, and so uh, I, I I wouldn't be who I am today without them. But, uh, yeah, and, and and again, my stepdad, he did an amazing job for somebody who walked in with no instructions. Again, I mean, there's no – you don't know how to deal with an eight-year-old kid if you hadn't dealt with them for the last eight years. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was uh, – there's a – I think a lot of a lot of dads have to attribute their learnings not just from their dads because you know I think as the as the the time goes by like we're we're now taught that we're supposed to have an impact in our kids lives and but future generations were like go to work be a supporter you know you're the you're financially responsible and and whatever time you've got whenever you get home that's what the time you have to teach them these valuable lessons and I mean there's a lot of incredible dads out there that that had to juggle that and and uh i mean mine did that too my stepdad did that absolutely so i mean it's it's a there's still a lot of things that don't get covered because you know as men we forget until the moment comes up and it's like oh here you go <laughs> step back and learn something from this so.
0: no i think you're absolutely right and tom you're not getting off the hook though so you so, but you agreed with tracy that the the, the most important challenge was as a father, like what, what, what's one of those challenges that you learned?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny, man. Like you, you grow up. I was fortunate my parents are still married today, 52 years. They just had their anniversary two days ago, 52 years together. But it's funny, like, you know, my mom and my dad are very different. And uh, you know, my mom still treats me like her little boy, right? Like I go to my parents' house. She's going to cook my favorite meal she's going to tell my dad, no, you can't have any, you know what I mean? Like I made that for my son, like get, get out. You can't have any. So my dad gets pissed off at me. Right. He's like, why your mom do that to me? Whatever. Right. Like it, it, it's awesome. But like, I remember like, you know, I grew up in, in the Detroit area and, and I remember one of the first things I used to have this, you know, friends down the street. And uh, I remember I, you know, we had, he had an older brother, whatever. I remember I get in a fight with this kid and, uh, I beat up the kid, but his older brother came out. He hit me with a two by four, right? He clubbed me. So I came home crying. Right. And my dad's like, listen, I don't want to hear you crying. Go take care of yourself. Go hit him back. So I remember I go back to his house. His brother comes out. I club his brother with a two-by-four over the fucking head. Sorry, I'm swearing. But, uh, you know, I, I club his brother. And then I come home. And then his dad shows up at my house. And my dad and him get in a fight on the side of the street, right? Like, like, <laughs> like it just like these things, like how to defend yourself. How do you respect yourself? Like, you know, the lesson at the time was never taken, right? But it was you respect yourself, you whatever, like it, it just later in life, you, you realize like you don't let anybody shit on you. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter that like, he might be older, he might be bigger. You don't be afraid. You go into it, you handle yourself and you do it. And sure. uh, so I laugh because my dad, like my dad is the most impatient man in the world. So like I remember growing up, I would said there. my dad would be like, let's do the brakes or let's be on the car. Or, let's fix this and I wouldn't say my dad was the best teacher because he would just do it and have me do something with him. But he always included me, right? Like always included my dad, but his patience were zero. He's got no patience. And I, I think that's the lesson. Like when I, as my kids grew up, I tried to be, I tried to realize like, I'm like, all right, my dad was awesome. I still have the best relationship with my dad today. Like my favorite person in the world. But, with my kids, I, I get to teach them a little differently because I was like, all right, this is what my dad did. He, he included me, but does isn't teach me in some ways. So like now today, like when I'm with my kids, I'm teaching them something. I think I teach them a little differently just because that's how he was growing up. You know, he grew up that way. That's what he did. But you, you get to learn uh, how to change things from, like how you grew up. Like it wasn't bad. Like I grew up in a with a great family, a great mom and dad, just a dad that didn't have a lot of patience. So, like today, I think I I when I'm teaching my kids something, there's more patience involved only because of the experience that I had with my own father. Which, you know, again, good or bad, I was blessed to have it. My dad was there for every single sporting event, you know, from baseball, the football, the hockey. Uh, my dad made sure he was there for everything. And, and I can never uh, I can never thank my dad enough and my mom enough for uh, being such a good influence in my life to be. Uh, you know, they taught me to be my own person. You know, like every day you go around and I live my life for experience, you know, it, nothing matters. It doesn't matter how much money is in the bank, how much is not in the bank. Like, I live my life for experience. So if I can go experience something, it doesn't matter where it is in the world, what it is. I don't care if it's bikers. I don't, I, I don't care if it's, you know, LGBTQ. I, I don't care. Like, I've been able to experience so much in this world because of the cigar business. Uh, whether it's Europe or Africa or, you know, uh, London, Paris, France, wherever, like the, the, the world of the cigar industry has gave me so much and patience to try and bring that to other people. So, uh, you know, I, I, am blessed, you know, like I said, my dad, uh, always wasn't the best teacher with patience, but he always included me in, in, in like, I, uh, I can never thank my old man enough, man. Like he's uh, 72 years old and uh, he's out there golfing every day. He still works. He, he doesn't want to retire. He's out working. And uh, you know, you see that work ethic, like, you know, it, it's amazing. And uh, I live my life that way. So. Nice. That's awesome.
0: I'm going to take the opposite side of this. I think one of the and I, I think I've, I've certainly learned some valuable lessons as a father. I'm not discounting any of those, but I think one of the the one of the finest lessons we're going to t- talk to lessons, more lessons throughout this evening, I'm sure. But one of the most invaluable lessons that my father taught me or the hardest challenge that I saw him dealing with um, was selflessness. Like you talked about a second ago, Tom, like, he, you know, he, he was at every game. My father tried to, you know, my father was at every game as well, but he sacrificed so much you know, and I don't, you know, I can't really remember growing up seeing him do too much for himself, like just him, like stuff might've included to his benefit, but it was, it was really, it was really him giving up a lot of things and everything. And as I got, as I was getting older, I noticed and saw that, you know, like, you know, I, I mean, I noticed how Selfish, I was, you know, you know, as a child, you know, and as a teenager, a teenager specifically, right. And I mean, did that stop me from being self? No, it didn't. But I I did. I definitely did have that self awareness. And I always noticed how my father and mother too would drop everything to do what they needed to do for me. If they needed to drive me somewhere, they drove me somewhere. Yeah, yeah. if they needed to, you know, if they needed to pony up the money for something, (laughs) we didn't have a lot of money growing up. But they found a way if it was if it was a need.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, and and bear, I I can relate to you in such a way, like you know, I didn't grow up with you know, my parents did the best they could. They they both worked. They both made sure there's food on the table. I had the clothes that I needed. And it's funny, like, but that kind of creates who you are, right? So it creates this drive. And when I can relate it to myself, right, like I've had this drive to be an entrepreneur my whole life. But to really be successful, you have to give up a lot. And I remember, like, you know, as my kids were growing up and we were building, you know, I work with Christian, you know, I've been in the cigar business. My kids only know that, right? This is
0: your 20th year. You're celebrating your 20th year in the business. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So 20 years at uh, 19, you know, nine years with, with asylum, but with Christian and, and Camacho, obviously we were there and, and, you know, you start to realize you're like trying to build something. You're out there. Your kids are, you know, when they're very young, the needs are more the moms. Right. And then as you grow, as they get older, they need their dad to teach them and show them things. And, and, um, you know, that's has always been the battle, you know, is like, I want to give my kids things I didn't have. And, and so you work, 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 you know, I met when me and Christian started this, I was 200, 280 to 300 days a year on the road. So you're going to miss something at home. You know what I mean? You're going to miss something. And I made sure like whatever they're doing, sports, whatever, I tried to be home for everything. But you know when you really put things in reality like how could I do it different uh you know I'm fortunate you know my kids are good kids my older son Cameron is uh you know he'll be 19 this year I brought him down in September I'm trying to get him into the cigar business I, I put him into shipping he spent three months in Miami with me uh you know, working in shipping department and br- kind of breaking him into the business if he wants to be in it. And then I have my younger son, who's 16, who will be a junior in high school, who wants to be the next president or a Supreme Court justice, right? Like he, this, this kid is 4.3 GPA, monster kid. And, uh, but they're both very different. They see the world different. But what you realize when, you know, you're like traveling, you come home, the only thing they really wanted was my time, you know, and sometimes you, 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 uh, you're working, like I've worked so hard to build something for my kids to have, but they never cared about that in the end, you know, they they cared about me being there and spending time making sure I was there at their games or their music or their plays or whatever they're singing. Uh, you know, so learning that balance has been the hardest part about being a dad for me because my dad was always there. He never missed a thing. And then, you know, I had this dream of building something, right. And that dream takes you uh, all over the world and, and all over the country. And you do these things and, and, you know, you realize your kids are like, I don't care about an iPhone or the next Yeezys or anything. They just want your time. So when you can really sit back and say, okay, I'm gotta, i I'm doing something wrong here. I get I'm trying to give my kids everything I didn't have. But time is the most important thing. You can only teach your kids with time. And uh, that took time, you know, like like to understand and realize what they really need. All they wanted was their dad, you right. know. Mm-hmm. So today I try and spend, as you know, they're their, – Young adults, they they have their own lives and jobs and businesses. Uh, But, like, I try to be there as much as I can today, like, because, again, the work that we've done with this company allows me to be home a little more. But, uh, you know, that was the hardest lesson for me, you know, because I was out striving to give them the things that I didn't have. And sometimes you don't realize what they just need. Is not a new iPhone or Yeezys or the, the coolest shit. They just want dad to be home.
2: And she's a great constant reminder to me whenever I get home and I'm dragging ass tired from working and uh, walking the door and the kids see me and they're like, they want my attention, they wanna play. And she's like, you know, you're gonna cherish these moments and, and don't miss them. So <laughs> she, in return, helps me be a better dad because she helps remind me to stay focused that it's not about going out. You know, I like to work hard so I can provide them with the things that we didn't have. Yes. I think you want your kids to have all the stuff that you didn't get to have, but you know, I get home and I'm tired and my my boy wants to wrestle or my daughter wants to tell me about her day and, you know, come in. And I think the biggest show isn't any more put on in the the world, but it's to show that we have the energy to, to spend the time with them when we have those moments to spend with them. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very appreciative for that uh, and, and for my wife being a strong enough woman to remind me that, you know, coming home grumpy, that shit stays at the door and these are your kids. And now from the time you walked in the door to until they grow up and start doing things on their own, that's a, the little time that you got with them is a the little time that they're learning all those things that we don't think we're teaching them yet. So, yes, yeah. our responses
1: and everything like that. So. I mean, that has been a, uh, it's been a, really- well, and listen, Trey, you know, you look at it. That's a beautiful part about being a father because they're Absolutely. teaching you something, right? Yeah. Like you think like, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot. My parents provided, they did everything I needed. I didn't need anything else, but it makes you who you are. It gives you drive. It gives you what you want. And you go out on the road, you're trying to create something. And then your kids tell you like that. I just want your time. And, you, and, and it's almost heartbreaking to you. You know what I mean? Like, I went through that stage where it was like, it, it was almost heartbreaking. Like, because you, I, I felt as a dad, I was doing the best I could to provide from them. And they're like, dad, I don't need any of that shit. I just need my dad at home. Yeah. You know, and, and so that's where our my relationship as my kids grew up. Like, my kids grew up in the same place, right? Like, my oldest son is so far different than my youngest son. They're two years apart, 18 and 16, but they're completely different children, you know, completely different humans. And uh, But what I am fortunate of is that they were willing to communicate that to me. If they didn't, I probably would have never known. I'd have been on the road killing blah, 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 killing myself to grow a business that wasn't important. And for me, you know, we look at the world of cigars and, and the business, and I know I'm kind of rambling and mumbling, but, like, I'm not in the business to be a rock star. I'm not in the business to put my face out every day. I'm in the business to make a good product, yes, I want to make a living. I, I want to make things that people enjoy. And and that's the best part is to when, when somebody smokes your cigar and they they tell you, I love it, it's amazing. Uh, that is the satisfaction. And now that my kids are old enough to uh, make decisions, whether they want to be in the cigar business or not, they have the choice. But like for them to start kind of, being old enough to understand that everything I sacrifice for them is like you said, Tracy, you sacrifice for your kids. And sometimes they don't understand the sacrifice. And as I've yeah. gotten older, like my kids have started to understand, like, Hey, I just want to get, I wasn't there because, or I was not there because I didn't love them. I was there because I was trying to give them something uh, that I didn't have maybe, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's been a great experience, a learning experience for me. And, you know, as a true father, uh, you know, as a dad, like you want to do the best you can for your kids every day. You want to give them the best that you can and you want them to earn their own way. And, uh, so, and that, you know, when I look back, I mean, I, the rewarding part is to see your kids understand, see your kids build their own lives and put them in a position where they can uh, truly excel in their lives. Absolutely. Well,
0: gentlemen, we've already kind of gone into it to tonight's major point, but that kind of one that leads us into the, the next, the next story or kind of, kind of question they want to go to and, and believe it or not we actually are going to talk about some cigars tonight too so but this has been fantastic uh so far but uh, tonight's major point is always brought to you by uh Baricoa cigars barico is back the voyage has relaunched and uh I, this is something this is a personal cigar i couldn't possibly wait for when it came back it's been over three years but now it's revamped it's been relaunched and it's back on the market launching from one of the hottest new uh, one of the hottest factories in the industry today Danny Vasquez has promised that if you like the original blend, you're absolutely going to love the relaunch. So check out Baracoa Cigar Company, all their social media. They're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can check them out where you can get your uh, – from your local retailer, Baracoa Cigar Company. And uh, remember, never settle Barracoa Cigar Company. So um, – So gentlemen, this, this is a, I promised my audience and it's something that I've been wanting to share for a really long time. And I've, I've kind of danced around this story a number of times, but it's, it's, it's perfect timing tonight. Um, one, it's father's day and two, it's the two guests that I have on tonight in particular, uh, welcoming in my longtime friend, um, and, uh, and boss for a long time at Michael's tobacco, Tracy Spence. Um, so, um, as as my audience knows, my audience knows I have two sons, and one's about to be six, and he's my oldest. And uh, but before that, um, we, my wife and I, were actually going to, we were expecting a, a child for the first time, and um, it didn't. They didn't make it. Um, we lost the child uh, early ish in the pregnancy. Um, but you know, you never kind of get over that thing. Um, But this was actually, uh, this was a little bit different than your, uh, you know, than this, not that any, um, not that any uh, lost birth is, is, you know, is standard or anything, but this was a little bit different what happened to my wife and I. And uh, it was what's known as an ectopic pregnancy, uh, sparing most of the details, basically uh, the, the, the. The child never developed, but it attached in the wrong place. It wasn't in her ovary. It was in, uh, uh, her one of her fallopian tubes instead. And, uh, and instead of detaching when it didn't become viable, um, it actually ruptured and caused some massive internal bleeding that required, uh, some pretty fast, uh, emergency surgery. Um, because uh, essentially, what happened was um, about forty percent of my wife's blood was actually not in flowing through her veins; it was actually in her her abdomen at one point uh, during this 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 moment. So it was pretty uh, pretty darn horrific, uh, traumatic um, and everything. And uh, uh, as they wheeled her off into emergency surgery, I'm beside myself, um, as one could probably imagine, and. All I could think was uh, trying to do something normal, and um, all I could think was, "Oh yeah, I'm supposed to work at Michael's tonight. I should probably give Tracy a call." <laughs> and and um, I'm fighting every last. I'm, I mean, my lower lip is bleeding at this point because I'm trying to fight my way through this just normal conversation. And I, I, I you know, about you know thirty seconds into, it, I'm like, "Fuck it, I can't handle it." And I tell you know I spill the beans. I'm like, "Tracy, I can't work tonight." Um, here's what's going on. And, um, this man sitting across from me now, um, he was at work. He was at Michael's. He stops everything. He leaves, he leaves the, he leaves the establishment, walks outside to talk to me and just be there for me as a friend. And he prays with me and he stays on the phone for, with me for probably about 40 minutes. And to just give me some kind of calmness. And, and I've gone back to this moment several times with you, Tracy. Uh, personally, we've, we've talked about it before and I've told this story to, to many others. That was the single greatest moment of friendship that I think I've ever experienced. And I'm blessed with a lot of amazing friends. I really am. But that was the single greatest moment of friendship I've ever experienced in my life. And if you hadn't been there for me, I'd n- I mean, I would have got through it. I, I definitely wouldn't have gotten through it as well as I did. Um, and that's because of you. So it is my honor to have you on here today because um, I've taken that lesson, lesson of friendship and I've applied it to fatherhood as best I can because I want my boys to grow up to have moments like that with someone that they care about.
2: So thank you for being here. And uh, you're, you're, you're welcome. Uh, it, I know I'm me and uh, I'm not always the most uh, sentimental down to, down to earth, but you know, you are my friend, my friend. And uh, you know, sometimes God just, uses you uh, when you're a vessel to talk to the friend. Those weren't my words, but that was uh, that was definitely something higher up. That was, uh, that was a God thing that was not a Tracy thing. I mean, anybody out there that's listening and knows me knows that I am a goofy son of God. And so, I mean, it's, you know, I just happened to be there and I, 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 I'm honored that I was uh, but I can't take credit for that moment, man. I, I, I really can't. That was, a, uh, you know, that was a special moment. Uh, but it, those words came from up above way higher than I am ever going to be able to stand. So just, uh, I appreciate you as a friend and, uh, uh love you like a brother. Uh, we've known each other for quite some time. So, uh, I'm just, uh, just honored to be on your show right now. And thank
0: you. Well, the honor is mine, Tracy. I know you, I put you a little bit on the spot there. So, but I, I couldn't let the moment go without sharing that, that amazing moment. So thank you from the bottom of my heart sincerely. Um, and, uh, Tom, thank you for being a pedestrian <laughs> during this emotional moment here. So
1: that was, <laughs> ah, man, you know, you, you, uh, you know, you, hit a, I, I was fortunate, uh, you know, I've had two children, but I've been not quite your position, but you know, my first child was, uh, you know, me and my first wife, we, she got pregnant and she lost it at 11 and a half weeks not as dramatic, like nothing serious didn't, you know, there was no life or death situation for her or myself, obviously. But, uh, you know, when you're having your first child and, and that, uh, something dramatic happens, you know, it's like, uh, it, it, it's, it, you know, for me, it, it was obviously more hard on her as a mother, because she felt like, that I do something wrong? Did something I do create this experience that I've lost my child? Uh, but you know, uh, I, I've been there in a similar situation, not the same, where it was losing blood and, and like that's that's some crazy shit, right? Like, uh, but I was, you know, I lost my first child to, uh, you know, uh, it, it. They didn't make it you know, and, and so when you try again, you know, there's always the med- mentality that, you know, my wife, my first wife was concerned about, am I going to make it again? And, you know, like, and all that and we've been blessed with, you know, uh, the good Lord blessed us to have two beautiful children later in life. And, and, but when you, you know, that, that first one, you know, you're excited, you're, you're, gonna, I'm going to be a dad and, and, and then she loses it at 11 and a half weeks. Uh, you know, as a dad, you, you, to, to me at that time in my life, I, I truly didn't understand what it meant. You know, like, I just, uh, I didn't understand it as much. Where she, it, it was much harder on her. And then when we have our first kid, you, you know, because as a dad, it's easy right like we we got it pretty easy through through all of it i remember like when my when cameron my first son came out i'm like they hand him to me and i'm like okay holy shit i gotta keep this this little human alive right like you're like oh <laughs> yeah. oh, oh good god what did i do because i <laughs> you know as as a human like uh fuck me i'm like I'm bad at keeping <laughs> myself alive, right? Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I have this little human that I got, I have to like keep alive. I, I got to do the right things and all those things, and and uh, you know, like it, it, you know, it was a, uh, it was weird for me because the first experience when when my ex-wife lost her our first child, it was much harder on her than it was on me. Right. Because I didn't know any better. And, and you know, I was I, I was the guy that I took every class I took. I read every book like I'm going to know how to how to keep this little human alive. Right. Like because I was like I was freaked out. Like i am I'm like, I don't want to be that parent that doesn't know what to do. Like I read every single thing I could read. I took every class I could take. Like, when we did the pre-pregnancy class, I was the guy raising my hand. I'm like, I knew every answer. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> I was into curious. it. Yeah, like, no, I was into it, man. Like, I, I it, it was such an amazing experience. And then when we lost our first child, uh, you know, like, I, I you know, it, it's different for a woman to a man, right? Like, like it's just a different experience. And... Uh, You know, we were very fortunate to to our next two attempts provided my animal children that I have today in the world who are uh, amazing kids, but they're animals. But, uh, you know, I I wouldn't change it like, you know, like uh, but like the story bear that you have like that, you know, it's tough. You know, I I think it's tougher on the woman, and for the woman to do it again and again because she wants to be a mother, and we want to be parents and, and reproduce and all that stuff is, uh, you know, uh, again we've done the show many times, uh, and we've never really talked about those personal experiences, right? Like, you know that that's what I appreciate about this show tonight right like the father's day show like we've done the show we talk about cigars we talk about you know the blend uh, where it comes from and all that shit but like when you call me back to say hey tom let's do this show again and i want to have tracy on it with me and i'm like dude i'm totally down because like you know what like i want the show to be more about our experience and our lives and people to know who we are as as a man as a human not cigar everybody can make the cigar everybody can do that uh what i appreciate you coming back to me bear is because this is like this is real life shit you know what i mean like the, the say uh we are not just put, cigars yeah it's yeah. not putting up a front and say oh i'm a cigar owner and this is what i do like because i'll bear my soul to everybody i got nothing to hide from anybody in this world today right like the things I'm not proud of, I'll tell you. The things I'm proud of, I'll tell you. And, uh, you know, to have a friendship, you know, like I said, Tracy uh, and you and Michael at Uly's and you guys have been great supporters of our brand. Bear, like you've always brought me on. and But the Father's Day show, like it it really does mean something to me more than just cigars. I could care less about cigars tonight. Um, you know, like we talk about the things that make us who we are today. And I think that's way more important than any cigar I could ever make. So
0: I, I appreciate that Tom. And, and like I said, it was the, the, the last year when we did the show, it was like, it instantly became one of my favorite ones. And so was this, the show tonight kind of developed and everything. It was like, I was really, I was really looking forward to tonight. And, um, um when i when i told my my wife about who uh that, that tracy was going to be on i mean she got she got excited she got excited <laughs> for me because she knew she knew that uh oh bear stop to- lying nobody
2: gets excited for tracy stop lying hey i do have a question for Tom. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you uh did you sit in on the uh breastfeeding class because we were supposed to go to infant uh, tpr and they rescheduled last minute
1: so no, i did them all bro no. like I- on I was an expert. I was an expert. Oh, I, I, yeah. breastfa- no, I breastfed you. a lot, bro. I, I, I practiced yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Babies are born with an inverted chin. You must place that at the base of the areola. Yeah, I watched it all. I was like,
2: oh, shit, I'm going to be an expert on this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, I did the best. I read everything, every video, everything I could do, man, to be a good dad because I was scared out of my mind. And nothing scared me more. Like, you know, you you can be, like, ready for your first child, right? Like, you want to be a dad. It's the most exciting thing. Oh, yeah. And I've been fortunate, like, you know, as, as a man, you're like, I got, I'm having a boy. Like, oh, fuck. You're, you know, you're like, I'm having a boy. Like, this is my thing, right? And I didn't care, boy or girl. But you have boys, like, you're pumped up as a man. I just remember, like, when they handed me my son, you know, my wife, the first baby, he came out, Cameron came out, and I was like, I about shit my pants there. Cause I was like, <laughs> oh no. I, I I was so prepared, right? Like, but until they give you that baby in your hand, you're like, Oh shit, I gotta keep this thing alive. <laughs> you know? Like, and you do all the research you want, you do everything you can. But when that baby hits your hand, you're like, Wow, man! I had to I, I have to keep this little thing alive. You Where's know? <laughs> yeah, like blew me away, man. The, uh, probably the most moving experience in my life.
0: Oh my! Uh, it, it the you know for the for the fathers out there and even period people who maybe listening, who haven't experienced parenthood yet. Like uh, I got to tell you, like they, when they tell you like in these classes too, they'll tell you like, Oh, the, when your, your child is born there, there's a, there's like this chemical that gets released throughout the room. Like everybody, the nurses, the doctors, you, you experience it. And it's this, this high, this natural high. That's just unbelievable. And you just, at the time, if you haven't experienced it, you just think, Oh, that's bullshit. You know, like, Oh, of course it'll be a wonderful moment, but, but it is, man, it's captivating. It just like it captures you. It's unbelievable. So so the, you, Tom, you just talked about it. they handed you your first child. So um uh Tracy, I think they handed you as well. Did did have any of you guys done they, the actual they, uh, birth? Like actually they didn't take hit
2: me. They didn't hand me uh, my daughter at first. Uh she when she came out, my my wife had to have an emergency cesarean after like 19 hours of uh of uh labor. And, oh, okay. Uh, so they, they wheel in this guy. He looks like uh, Wayne Gretzky. And uh, he's like, I'm going to be your anesthesiologist. And uh, <laughs> we go to this room, and he puts on, like, the best of Woodstock. And I'm sitting there. I got this mask up. I got all these, like, booties things on. And I'm standing there. And they're like, don't look behind the curtain. I'm like, "Oh, that's cool. So I look behind the curtain. And, like, I see my wife, like, opened up. And I see them take my – I want to experience the moment, you know. Nothing grosses me out. So I'm watching this, and I've seen more of my wife than – She's in of herself. So uh, just so you know that, honey, I, I I looked behind the curtain and I watched our daughter come out. And uh like she came out and she was uh she wasn't breathing yet. And so they're doing all these things. And I'm like, like you, Tom, I, I man, I studied, I could have been a doctor afterwards, not quite, yeah. but, you know, like, I know I was like, you're out of the airway, use the nostril suckers, let's get yeah. this goal. I want to hear some sound, you know. And the nurses are like, shut the fuck up and get out of the way. I'm like yeah. <laughs> But I'm a doctor.
1: I'm I'm a a doctor, doctor.
2: damn it. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. That's right. I read the same books you did. (laughs) It was an incredible experience. Then whenever I first got to hold her, you know, I held her up next to my wife, who was like completely uh, on some good shit. And uh, she was like, oh, my God, she's so beautiful. And I'm like, I know she is. And then uh, they're like, all right, we got to take her.
1: You know, it's like, wait, what?
2: (laughs) No,
1: I laughed. my first son, right? So when Cameron was born, she went into labor. He was breached. So he was kind of sideways. Oh, yeah. So they're like, listen, he's in no danger. You can push, blah, 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 whatever. But after, like, I can't remember, 17 or 19 hours of labor, the doctor came and he's like, look, you can keep going this way or we can just do a C-section and get it done. So, you know, the doc, before the doctor walked out the room, my my ex-wife was like, "Uh, let's get this shit done. Yeah. And and I literally within 20 minutes we were in. So I didn't, you know, like I was with her in the room and I remember they're like, touching her. Like they numbed her up and they're like, can you feel it? Can you feel it? No. She's like, no, I don't feel anything. And he was already out, right? Like, he was halfway out. She couldn't feel anything. And uh, so we had her first son. So the second son, she's like, I don't want to do that. I want to have a natural birth. I don't want a C-section. And when my second son came, like, I'm a big guy, right? My kids come out like 10-pounders, right? (laughs) They're they're big kids, right? So I remember the second son are like, listen, we got to induce labor earlier. This kid's going to be like 11 pounds. So we set it up, we went in, and, and she had them naturally. And I remember my mother in law was in the room with us, right? So we're sitting there. She's got a leg, I got a leg. And here my son comes out like a rocket ship, right? Like my mother in law about passes out because he came so fast, they couldn't do a C section or, pardon me, uh, what, what do they call it? Uh, Epidural. Um, the, no, yeah. To, too late for the epidural. Right. And But usually they'll do like a little cut. I'm a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Not, uh, but not a C-section, but they do a little cut so that it yeah. c- slides yeah. up. Dude, it was brutal. It busted everything up. That kid came out like a rocket ship. And uh, my mother, I remember, she had to sit down because she about passed out. And, uh, and then out came my youngest son, Nolan, you know, who is... Uh, the pride of my life, man. That kid is amazing. The next and, president, uh, you
0: said, right? The next president, he,
1: dude. Uh, listen, this kid wants to be political science degree. He's a four point three GPA. He's a junior now, and uh, yeah, yeah. So it uh, very different births. But I, I almost lost my mother in law because I thought she she passed out. She she was going down, man. She had to sit down.
0: <laughs> well, glad she sat down. I can't imagine like like the first the, with our with our first with with Jeremiah's birth. She So my wife also wanted to have a natural birth. She went 20 hours with no medication. And she was the, 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 the birth actually wasn't progressing the way it should. And and uh, so they needed they needed her to relax. She was exhausted. You know, they needed her to relax. She was yeah. just exhausted. And so she finally she finally gave uh, gave in um and i and i was like i remember being because they're like we you know like we did all the classes right and they're like you have to be an advocate for her because there's going to be a point in the labor where she's not going to be rational and and so (laughs) like i'm like going toe to toe with the you know with the nurse and everything and uh um we did we we uh we didn't have a doctor we had a midwife uh but we delivered in the hospital so Uh, it wasn't like a home birth or anything like that um but you know i remember going toe to toe with the midwife and like no this is not what she wants and my wife's like it's okay i'm no my i'm all here I'm still here. This she's is, like, you know, let's let's go. Let's, get you know, let's, let's, yeah. Yeah. And so she gets the epidural. Uh, it, she was able to rest, which is really great. And uh, I didn't get any rest. My heart's, you know, pumping Kool Aid. <laughs> so I'm watching. I'm watching her vitals on the screen while she's taking a nap after this, and, uh, you know, but like, lo and behold, 45 minutes later, the pregnancy progressed fine, and she was able to deliver Jeremiah. And uh, um, and you know, that was the decision. Was like, hey, do you want to be? you want to be down there to catch or do you want to be up and i was like i was like I'm, i i you know like tracy i'm like not many too many things turn my stomach but i was like you know what just to play it safe i'm, I'm gonna stay up here right and and that's what i did <laughs> and it was and it was awesome and but i actually they they had me move at one point because they needed to get into something yeah. and they I, and and i positioned and i was i actually saw it down there i was like oh that's not okay it's not so bad all right no big deal i think i can handle this well, when my youngest was born and I, again, the same plan, I was like, Oh, I, well, you know, the last one worked out just fine. No problem. We'll, we'll do it that way again. And, uh, and, uh, the midwife, this time around goes, all right, bear, come get him. And so my, uh, so my youngest is like quarter of the way out. So I, I actually reached, I reached down she's like, pull him, pull him out. And I, I pulled out my son and that, that was like off the cuff. Like told, <laughs> I was like, and that that was so that was really cool. I was a really cool experience, I got to say. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I think, you know, if we if we're blessed to have a third child, I, I might I might go all in and, and, and go down there. But I don't know. Time, yeah. You, time, time you, you, you go
1: you go for three, brother. You, you keep it. You keep it in the game. Yeah, I,
0: yeah, we've definitely talked about it. I think that uh, I think that it's all on the table. It's just a, you know we're we're kind of leaving it up uh, up in the air and and see what uh, see what happens and stuff. We are getting a little bit older. Her last two pregnancies, she's, she's been considered geriatric, which she's never been yeah. fond of that title. <laughs> um,
2: so. I can't believe you just brought that up. You know, bear, uh, uh, bear. You know, she's young. Yeah. She's young. young. No, I think she's young. Like, no, hard, the doctors
1: bro. classified her as geriatric, which she hasn't had uh-huh. it. That's what don't, I'm saying. Don't say geriatric, bro. That says we're like sixty.
0: I know. That's what I kept saying. And they like, she's thirty something. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. Come
2: on, no, don't, 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 don't believe that. Yeah, no, Can you, I, no. Can you delete part of this? <laughs> we don't want to uh, be murdered for hearing that.
0: No, no, no. <laughs>
1: yeah. All good, all good on that. Um. <laughs> but yeah that's i'm fortunate right i got two boys with my first wife my fiance she's got three boys so we got a basketball team we got all boys no girls you know i don't know all the dads out there like oh you gotta have a little girl you gotta go again but we're not going again bro we're i'm done (laughs) i I got five i got five boys in my life my my two you know from my first wife and and Three from my uh, my fiance, so we're good. I, I got boys. Really out yeah,
2: yeah, we're but, good. Uh, man, I tell you, had we started if the boy had come out first, there would no be there would not be a second one. I mean, he <laughs> is he's a hell yeah, he's awesome. I mean, hel- both of my kids are hilarious, like hilarious. H- um, how, how old no, are they?
1: So my daughter, Tr- my
2: daughter's eleven, and she oh, is like God, she's eleven. That little girl is like me. Yeah, I know she's eleven now. She's like me she has my sense of humor and it's dangerous and she's absolutely <laughs> stunning and as every dad's fear like she's stunning you know and uh <laughs> In a pocket full is, of knives, though, she's good yeah it looks like she's going to be taller than me which i think she's happy about that that's <laughs> yeah. one of us uh but no i mean absolutely gorgeous uh you know she is my world my son's my world too but i mean she is always the firstborn.
1: So one day
2: she'll (laughs) look back in the archives and watch this and she'll understand. Yes. Yes. You are number one, your son, my son, my, you know, Finley, he's number two, he's three and he is hilarious. I mean, both of them are, they're so funny. So you can imagine them going back to putting back, putting together this father's day present, working together. You got an 11 year old and a three-year-old trying to orchestrate (laughs) daddy's present. (laughs)
0: If uh, if uh, Josie's anything like my sister, who's who's also older too, she probably took great pleasure in in, in, in telling them what to do because that was that was one of my sister's most you know wonderful joys was bossing me around. But um, uh, th- I, I did promise a little bit of cigar talk tonight, gentlemen. I think this is a good point to kind of transition to this a little bit because we we've been talking about fatherhood and relationships, and, and you know raising children. And you know, Tom, you've mentioned you know being an entrepreneur, and you know, being an entrepreneur is all about relationships as well. And so there's there's a balance in everything that we talked about. So I wanted to take this unique opportunity because Michael's Tobacco, uh, which Tracy, you've you've run Michael's Tobacco in, in the variation it was before Town and Country. You've you've been a part or slash run day to day operations for uh, over fifteen years now, right? Am I am I right on that number?
2: Yeah, we're looking closer to the like 18, 19 year. Yeah, you're coming, coming you're coming days. up
0: on 20 years in the retail
2: business. Yeah. yeah. I, I rem- Damn it, you, you're old, Trace. I feel it in my knees. <laughs> <laughs> my back. You're an old
1: man today, bro.
2: No, you know what? I'm coming up on 37, which isn't old, but my body, I mean, I, I abuse the hell of I mean, You know, they always tell you, you know, uh, you'll wish you hadn't done that. And you should have listened about how people tell you to lift with your legs and all that kind of. Yeah, no, nah, there's <laughs> no coming back.
1: It hurts. No, there, there's not. I'll be, I'll be fifty this year, bro. I, I can tell you from experience, there's no coming back. Um, it's well, I'm
0: just pleased that after all these years, Tracy, you know, who loves to sport those cowboy boots, has actually opted in for some more comfortable shoes as of late, giving some relief. You got the, you got the Toms. Oh, nice.
2: Oh no, these are uh, these are the uh, Adidas home tradition whole oh, smash because you know that's like my personality
0: <laughs> that and you know you just flashed your 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 uh your games there man that's i don't think i think i've seen you wear shorts like twice in your and twice in the 20 you know the <laughs>
2: 15 years that i've known you this is crazy um man, you you did mention it's like 104 degrees it's so. true
0: story it's a true yeah.
2: story um
0: but in this uh, this dynamic of relationship between brand owner and retailers, kind of, I wanted to take the turn of this conversation for just a moment. Uh, you know, so so Tom to fo- to, to to shift the uh, the question to you first. When you know, when you seek out retail partners, you know, like Michaels, um, and yeah. you start building that relationship, what are you looking for as you're building a brand? And of that retailer, what are you looking for in? Because the retailer is ultimately your customer. While the consumer obviously is a big part of this, the, this um, this equation. We'll get into that in just a second. But I know you're looking for the not necessarily just the partner. You're looking for the right partners. And so, what is it about Michaels or searching for a company like Michaels that
1: you know allows you to to build a brand? Uh, you know, we we all have business models right? Like, you know, we can be di- every, everybody's different. There's there's no right or wrong way, per se, right? Like, you can be a discount model, you can be uh, a non-dis... You know, for us, we don't do big discounts. We don't do those things. We, we just say, hey, listen, this is our cigar. This is what it's worth to us. And if you believe in our brand, it'll do well for you. You know, and, and Michael's and Uli's and Tracy and, and everybody, like, you know, we're, we're, we're not a discount brand. And so when you're trying to find a partnership uh, with a retailer, you know, there's guys who are, are worried, you know, they, they want discounts so they can do whatever they do to sell more cigars. And, uh, you know, we've learned, you know, Camacho, we discounted, you know, more than we ever did with this company. Uh, and then when we started this, it was all about people who just believe in what we do, uh, appreciate the cigars that we make and, and understand that like <laughs> we're all here uh, to put out a good product at a at, at a price that is fair. And so we don't, you know, it's funny, like as a company ourselves, we're not a discount brand. We don't discount we don't, we don't like run huge promotions. We're not giving 30% off or 20% off. We're not giving away free shit with every, you know, you buy five, you get something free. So it's hard, you know, and the reality is there's a lot of retailers that expect that. So when I look at Tracy, you know, Mike, Bob, you know, Bobby, uh, Mike's son, uh, who, who took us in from day one support us you know supported our brand as who we are and and have grown our brand like i can't give enough appreciation to the guys who understand our business model right because we could do it differently there there's there's all different models right or wrong we do it this way with this and and so when, when when a retailer Uh, brings in your stuff, trust us to make good cigars and supply them with cigars and do those things, Um, you know, it it really means a lot to us. Because, you know, I think it's easy to go in and say, hey, we're going to give 25 or 20 or 30% off to to carry our product. And we don't have that mentality. We're, We're a cigar company that believes in what we do, believes in our product, and we're, we're very simple. Like, you know, we, we, we have higher price point cigars, but we have a lot of really uh, good price point cigars. So a retailer that believes in us and gets behind us and supports that, like, I, I can't say enough. You know, like Tracy and, and like I said, Mike and, and Bobby, like, they've always supported us from day one. And been great customers of ours, and uh, uh, I can't say anything more than that. Like you know, they understand our model. We work together. We're we're, we're partners. You know, if, if they brought something into my and it didn't work, I'll take it back. You know, I'm like, no, you're. St- I'm I'm not going to tell Tracy, hey, you're stuck. Like that's your problem. No, like if Tracy called me and say, Tom, you tried this, it didn't work. I'm going to take it back. We're going to try something new and work as a partner. And uh, the, you know, Yuli's in town and country have been our partners and supporters of our brand from day one.
0: That's really great, Tom. So you know, it sounds like to me, like you you're you're, you're look, when you're going and looking for partners like Michaels. You know, you're looking for a proprietor like you know Mike and Bob who are, of. Either either buy into the way that you're doing it, or already are, are at that mindset. So, yeah, yeah. So, so to to turn the page here a little bit, Tracy, like when you know you, you and I have been uh, you know at the end of this conversation enough times to where I mean we've we've smoked a lot of cigars, not just the oh, yeah. cigars that we we sell, but you know we've had a lot of people try to get into the humidor, um, yeah. and so we've had that you know we've had that experience a number of times and. And, you know, it's, it's worthwhile to say that it's, it's not just the cigar, right? It's the people behind it and too. Absolutely. Now, I I don't want you to speak for Mike or Bob, because that would be unfair. Um, But, you know, but yeah, but speaking for, speaking for yourself and your experience in the business and everything, you know, before, before you maybe take that next step and, 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 and bring Mike and Bob into the conversation or if you're just involved in the conversation at that level, like, what are you looking for? Like when a new retailer or, uh, excuse me, a new, uh, a new company comes walking through the door, what are some of the key things that you are looking for uh, to know that, Hey, if this is going to be a success, if this is going to be a fit, these kind of, you know, checkbox items need to be hit. What are, what does that kind of look like for you?
2: All right. So, um, you know, as everybody who has ever tried to get in here knows that we are a slow moving train and, we don't just on a whim bring somebody on. Uh, we like to take our time, make sure it's going to be a brand that's going to last stick around because, you know, as much as we love building somebody's brand, that is not my job. You know, my job isn't to grow someone's brand, no matter how much I love the human being. My job is to sell the cigars. My job is to introduce them to the people that it's the right fit to. So um, for us or for me, I like to, bring in stuff that is, one, got a great story behind it. Uh, I mean, it's got to be a great product, number one. Number two, it's got to have a good story behind it. You know, I want to know a story. It can't just be like, hey, man, I had a hedge fund and now I sold it. I want to be in the cigar business. I don't give a shit about that. I don't want to grow your brand. I don't want to build your brand. I don't want to sell your brand just because you decided that cigars would be for you. Like, I want the people that that make things for everybody. I want the people that, that that go out of the way to make sure that there's a scar out there that it tags and, 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 and engages with a consumer. So, you know, yes, marketing is a big thing. So if you're somebody out there, that's not, uh, writing your own marketing for a product line, then you're doing it wrong. I mean, I don't have time to market your product. Uh, And no matter how good the cigar is, if it's not something that has presentation, if it's not something that has a story or uh, engagement with the consumer, it's probably never going to survive. I've seen a lot of incredible, I've smoked a lot of, you and I have smoked a lot of incredible cigars that came and went and are no longer around because they didn't hit these keys. So we, you know, I strategically with, you know, we've always done it as a panel here and and if all the guys can get behind it and it's all the guys are excited about it, then it's something that's gonna probably be in our humidors. And uh, you know, we like to think about when we're, when we're smoking something, we like to think about who is going to be smoking this? Who is this made? For. And it may not be made for everybody, but it's made for somebody. And so uh, when we bring something new on, it's got to it's got to have a specific place. It's got to have a specific, you know, person in mind or persons in mind, uh, you know where it's going to to, to be relevant. Uh, you know, there are some beautiful cigars out there that the guys just half-heartedly put, you know, some effort into making and no effort into launching it, and those cigars never made it. So, uh, and being that we are just two shops in God knows how many there are in the United States. We're not even going to talk worldwide. If you're launching a brand, you have to be launching a brand. You have to be getting out, engaging with the the consumers and 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 your social media has to be really targeting people. Your 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 product has to be speaking to people and you got to be having some interest. And that's not to say that even if you click all these boxes, we're going to bring you on today because the most valuable thing that we've got on our, in our, you know, in this establishment is the square footage or a humidor. And so if I don't have an appropriate place to put it, why am I going to put it in there? Mm -hmm. You know? And so, uh, like with Tom's stuff, like there's a huge demographic that goes after large ring gauges, but, and, and not to say that they only do large ring gauges because we all know that they don't, they've, they've started coming out like, and, and not just started coming out, but they've always had, uh, aligned for just about every size not to mention they've got you know they grow great tobacco I mean the tobacco that y'all use in your products isn't just tobacco that's bought it's tobacco that is grown at 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 the the family farms I mean there's there's some great tobacco there so and some incredible stories I mean you've got origin stories I mean it's like with anything, if you're picking up a book and you read, most people pick up a book. I know it's funny hearing me reference a book, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't read a lot of books. I mean, if it comes on book on tape, I'm game, but uh, you know, uh, you read the back of the book to see what it's about. You want to know what it's about. So when people come in and go, what's this about? If I don't have an answer for them, is it going to, is it going to move? Is it going to be relevant to anybody? No. It could be great, but if it ain't, if it isn't, sorry, proper English. My mother would whip my ass she heard me say ain't. <laughs> ain't ain't a word, and you ain't gonna use it because that's how we do things in the South. But um, you know, I mean, if it doesn't have relevance and it doesn't uh, draw somebody to it, it's got to have. It's got to have visual appeal. You know, it's got to have uh, a, a beautiful story behind it. It's got to be a substantial product that that makes you want to, makes me want to hand it to somebody over somebody else's product in the same price point. So it's, there there are a lot of factors that go into the planning of what's in the humidor. And the great thing about it is, is there's so many, so many shops around that there's always something in somebody's shop that you haven't smoked yet. So when you come into our shop, you know, and you ask what's new, I'm going to ask you what's new to you because there may be some Thomas classics or some things that have been around for a long time that are ready for you to smoke. It fits what you were asking for. You maybe have never been introduced to it. So that's just how we roll.
0: Well, it's like that, uh, you know, it's like that guy, you know, or gal who's smoked nothing but rats for all their entire life, you know, and you know hey, what's wrong we, with
1: Baccarat's bro. There's
0: nothing, no, there's nothing wrong. Now here's the point <laughs> though, they bring it full circle, right? So
2: there's nothing wrong with back rats, but have you tried insidious?
0: Yes, have you exactly that's
2: the point. See, there we go. There that's, we go.
0: That's exactly my where man. I was going. That's where exactly my where man. I was going. So <laughs> but- Hector, I hope you're watching this. <laughs> Can you get my <laughs> insidious to me? That's right, Hector. <laughs> get it.
1: Get it, done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So but this 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 Turns about a good question about it because it's it is about something that necessarily fits. So like you you talk about the the, the core value of what it what it takes to bol- to make it in the humidor, Tracy. But like you know like one of in, oh, what well, and that was my first example was like okay well the rats are out. Have you tried insidious and and that you know that brought that first of all that broadens the customer's experience, and that brings them to something that they never
1: would have gone to otherwise right um no and- it, it, you know it's funny bear I don't, I don't mean to cut you off sorry for no, cutting please. you off but you know it's funny like tracy says that on the show right but i've been there where i've actually watched him do that i mm-hmm. i've been in the shop where i've seen him be like listen you can tell me what you like what have it, what, you know you can tell me what you know what have not you tried like I've actually seen that happen in town and country Uli's, you know, like they live by that. Mm-hmm. Like truly, like you said, it doesn't matter. Our brand could be around for 30, 40 years. They might not have ever tried it because they don't know. And it doesn't, you know, like I said, I never, I'm never offended by anything in the cigar world. Right. Like you don't got to push into my brand. You if you're getting people to try new stuff, that's what's important. And, uh, you know, when he talks about that, like I've been in the shop, in the humidor with, with Mike, you know, and we're talking, you know, we're just talking. But I see like they train their staff to do that. I well, Because I've if you're not challenging
2: somebody's palate, you're not growing their palate. Yeah. But like, to, not everyone spoke the same. Tracy, thing for breakfast, when you say is. it, like
1: I've seen it there. Oh yeah, that's the beautiful thing, right? Like it, it's not you're not just saying it to say it. Like I've been there and watched it. Doesn't matter. You got to take them to my brand. I appreciate that you do that, but the whole reality of is you are trying to get people to try something that's out of their norm. You know, whether it's my brand, it doesn't matter whose brand it is. You guys do it and you do it really well. Well, thank you. So, and like, you know, I say that only because, you know, you mentioned that, but I've been there and I've seen it. And I know you guys do it that way. It's not bullshit. It's not like you just saying something to like say it like you guys live that way. Like your, 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 your business thrives on whether it's my brand or Davidoff or, you know, whoever, it doesn't matter who it is. You guys truly do that. I've seen it and it's much appreciated. Well, you know, here's,
2: here's a shameless plug. When I got into this business, I saw a lot of cigar shops out there that had somebody that knew nothing about tobacco out there. So when (laughs) I got into the retail side of this my goal was to have the best not just the okayest not just some guys that knew maybe something but the best tobacconists around and i mean there's a lot of incredible tobacconists out there uh but you know for me these guys are the best fit for me and for this yeah. shop this location and bears bears been one of them uh because he we all have different palettes, we all have different things but we're you know, I want them to be people that have the same amount of passion for this as, as, as I do. And that way you always stand above, you know, it, we're responsible for our ship. I don't care how somebody down the road does. I don't care. You know, I don't have competition. And it's not like a pat on the back, like we kick ass. We don't have competition. Yeah. You yeah. can buy cigars from. But the fact of the matter is, is I don't have competition because I'm not paying attention to what they're doing we're worried about our own shit. We want to make sure that we give you the best that we can give you and, and, and introduce you to the best that you can come across and, and you as a cigar smoker. So that way you want to come back here. That way you want to come and go, all right, what are you going to challenge me with next? Because everybody likes a challenge whether they like it or not. They don't like change, but they like a challenge. So changing what they smoke, you're adding to the mix. So.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful day. Like that is is a a, uh, you know, it it doesn't matter what whether you're on the manufacturer level, the retail level, uh, the cigar smoking level, you know, just a consumer. uh, Those are truly words to live by. Like, I I don't come out with something because I see somebody else doing it right. You know, I, I do what's good for our company, what's good for our business. And so I never look at somebody else and say, Hey, they're doing this. We should do this. Or like, it, it's not what our process is. Our process is always like, let's be us. Let's do what we do. And, and that's it. Like, you know, you, you, you can only follow, uh, when you believe in. you Absolutely. know? So we believe in the products we make, you believe in the products you sell, And uh, as a partner and a relationship from manufacturer to retailer, we can't ask for anything more. You know what I mean? Like, you guys have supported us. You've been there for us in in, in every way. And and whatever way we can help you, we do. Uh, But I I think it's such a good lesson in anything in life. You know, you, you can take it from retail, manufacturers whatever but it's not just in cigars it's in everything like you be who you are and that's what it is if you're trying to be something you're not you're never going to be it you know so we do what we do you do what you do and and it works as a partnership absolutely and that's all we can do you know I'm going to let Bear answer this question for me Bear
2: where do I get all of my employees from your customers all of my employees were previous customers and yeah. the reason for that is is because we've got our customers so i mean i've got customers that have broadened pallets better than a lot of shops out there and i'm not going to name names any shops it's not we're not talking about pe- people close to us we're not talking about people i, I mean these guys come in and they 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 grow a fondness for the tobacco and they want to grow as a human being that loves tobacco and share that love with people. And that's, that's how it works. And, yeah. and so, I mean, if, if you, in anything that you do, if you're not passionate about it, then, I mean, if I went in there and be like, Oh, you should try this. People would be like, Oh yeah, but I think I came here for that, you know, and they're going to go with what they came for, you know, and, and we're never going to turn them away from what they came from, but we just want to expand you know, want them to experience what is out there. So I, I don't like eating the same meal for dinner every night. Why would I like smoking the exact same cigar every day? Or like I don't mean, you- smoke more than most people, but uh, <laughs> I, I I love to change it up because, you know, the, the cigars, are, it's a, you know, I've said it for years, temporary vacation. You know, if they're coming in for temporary vacations, let's give them one. Let's give them yeah. one. To remember, let's help them. We don't sell cigars, we sell memories. Because attached to every cigar is a memory. It's a memory that's been built up around the atmosphere that that cigar has provided. And so Well,
0: just to bring this point around full circle that involves both of you all as well. And look, I mean, one of the most critical people in this business, uh, all around uh, is is Charlie Minato of Half Wheel. And I know you guys both know him personally. You know from I'm his Charlie if you're watching yeah so from his you know from his tough you know from his tough review you know criteria to just uh, just his general observations of the cigar industry and everything he's he's very critical uh, and and I'm not saying that as necessarily as a knock him Charlie and I have actually had a conversation on this very show about it but one of the things that I thought was really interesting Tracy I think you'll you'll appreciate this in Tom as well is he actually observed the Michaels team in your booth one year tom and it was they were I, I can't remember the cigar or anything but you i guess you handed mike and bob and tracy and yeah. uh, jason a cigar and they uh, as the you know as you guys were smoking it, tracy you guys were doing exactly what we've done the panel for years which is you know what you know who's going to really like this you know larry's going to like this or you know or bob's going to like this or you know so and so this is their cigar this can be a this can be something that we can add to their repertoire and Charlie observed this and he confided in me. And he had said this in a previous interview too, that he had never seen, and that's not to say that other proprietors and other establishments don't do it, but he had never seen, and he's gone to the trade show for years as well. He had never seen a retailer and a manufacturer in that type of an exchange before. And he said that it was one of the, one of the best things he's ever seen. And he gave, he gave Michael's high praise for it Uh, because of the way that the way that they were kind of going about this challenge of like, okay, can this be a fit inside of our humidor? Um, So I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting to kind of bring it full circle to what we were talking about, because uh, it it, it is a, it is a challenge. Like you said, the the real estate is valuable, Tracy. And at the same time, it's also about the relationships and everything. But I I do want to ask this because Tom, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, I don't, I don't know for a fact if Asylum's actually ever discontinued a line, but I know that you've changed some things up before. Is that, is that, is that correct?
1: That is change
0: branding and like the,
1: like the marketing and that thing. Yeah. I I mean, we look, you know, when we're, we, you know, obviously we're a company, we look at the bottom line, what's it doing? How's it performing? And, And so when I look at like, Production and and you know what are we producing with this? What do we do? Like we we can honestly look at ourselves and go, all right, this isn't doing what we want it to do. What what can we do to make it better? So whether it's a packaging change or or a blend change, but we don't we don't change the blends very often. I, you know, like we we will have we have no problem getting stuff out of our line and. and Trying something new. Like, you know, there, there's brands in Asylum that, you know, I, I think a good example would be like Street Jacket. You know, people didn't get it as well as we thought they'd get it, whatever. It was a little higher price point. But when we launch that, we're, you know, sometimes as a manufacturer, we're launching to see if the brand has legs in that sense, right? Price point. Whatever it is, and uh, when we launched Straight Jacket, it was people were like, "Wait, why would I buy a Straight Jacket for twelve dollars when I can get two Asylum Thirteens for six dollars? You know, I, I can get two of them for that price." But so we blend. were Yeah, the the blend was amazing. It just yeah. didn't work, right? So uh, at the time. You know, today I can come out, you know, we, we, we've done new things like the Asylum 9 or whatever that are higher price points and, and people do it. But we had to grow as a brand to fit, you know, and, and so we've been able to grow as a brand. We've been able to uh, reach out to all different kinds of customers. I mean, we do everything from Connecticut to uh, Habano, Corojo. Uh, Maduro, you know, Mexican, San Andreas Maduro. Like we, 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 we do a lot. We have a lot to fit everybody's palate. Now, does it mean it sells? No, but we keep it. Most of the things we've always kept. I mean, I I don't think in asylum today, I, I think we have every brand we've ever started. Now, do they all do fantastic? No, that's okay. They all don't blow the, you know, blow blow the roof off, but uh, we have a customer for it and, and we'll continue to make it for those people who, who enjoy it, you know?
0: Well, and I th- it, just like what Tracy was saying a second ago is it's, it's all about sometimes the fit, like where that cigar may not do well in one particular market doesn't mean it doesn't do well in another and, Tracy, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but, like, he he, he mentioned straight jacket. I was going to keep it general, but, that I mean, that's a perfect example. Tom's cigars do incredibly well at Michael's. But yeah. the straight jacket was an example of that where you and I personally both love that cigar. Well,
2: um, it wasn't a fit for the the traditional uh, asylum smoker because yeah. the price point, because of the ring gauge, because of those things. And so it was something that was designed. I think. I think you guys were not. I don't think you were going after to cannibalize your own smokers. I think you were going after the next. You know, a different, different, yeah, different
1: smoke. You okay. know, like I don't mean to cut you off, Tracy. No, no, you're if, good. You're 100 percent right. Like at, at that time, you know, when we came out with Straight Jacket, we were still a pretty young company, right? So we were yep. testing. where where can this brand go? Do people want to relate it to a, uh, a more expensive cigar? Will it work in that way? Whatever. Like we, you know, we don't know everything. We're trying to feel it out too, you know, and and at the time it didn't work today. I, you know, you you look nine years later, I I can sell $20 cigars. Uh, Three years into it, I couldn't sell $20, 18, 15, 12, because people are like, oh, the value, I, I can get two assigned 13s for six bucks piece. you know.
2: You know, and, and then I think the value of that kind of falls on us as retailers to uh to explain that just because you can get like a seven by seventy for ten bucks, you know, and and then you've got this other one by the same company that's twelve bucks, that's a, a Robusto, or you know, I and, and I'm not quoting yeah. the price of asylum yeah so but you 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 have that now i mean one of the things that we do as retailers one of the things we do here i can't speak for anybody else is it's our job to explain the difference our job to explain what you're getting and what you're getting into for yeah. that and so whether it be a higher priming or whether it be hey this is designed for the smaller ring gauge smoker or this is designed for the guys that don't go past 60 the uh then uh you know, that's, that's for us to do. And, and sometimes it falls flat on the retail. Yeah.
1: No. And sometimes it's because our consumer, job to do it too. Right. Yeah. Like, well, and, and,
2: and because we don't as, always the do the it. It looks at your name and, and associates everything with your name. So when you guys came out with that uh, asylum 13 Lancero, uh, you know, it's like the guys that were smoking that were like, I mean, I could, I could buy this seven by 70 for what I pay for this Lancero. Well I mean as a as somebody that smokes a lot of cigars understands that yeah. lancero has you're not losing flavor for smoking like that you're you're smoking like an offering I mean you've got guys that that train their whole lives to become a lancero roller you yeah. know and that tobacco has to be specifically perfect in humidity when it's rolled otherwise it won't it'll either draw too much or it'll draw too little or, Yeah. And all these things factor into why that's the price it is, and so you know it's it's it is kind of up to us to to, to relay that. And I think that a lot of shops do fail that, uh,
1: but you know it's. Uh, but uh, you know, like it's not always on you, right? Like right, right. Let's, yeah, I mean, a, as, as a manufacturer, you're not marketing sometimes, that cigar to your seventy ring gauge smokers. Yeah, so, yeah. sometimes <laughs> we fail to translate it to you good enough to do the job, right? Like. Right. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not agreeing that you failed to translate Yeah, It's no, no, I think that, there are times <laughs> that, it, 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 you know, you know what I'm saying? No, no, man. I got it. And you can totally agree that we didn't translate it right. Like, because I know as a manufacturer, sometimes we don't do the job properly. We do the best we can, but it doesn't mean we always do it the right way. Like, we're, you know, we're human. We, we, we try and do things, we try and come out with new things. And sometimes it doesn't translate. It's okay. Right. But that's as long as we're learning from it in the end. Oh yeah. It's okay. Right. Like There were we, we, no failed lessons. There's just lessons learned. There's lessons learned. And that's what we learn as we go, what we are, who we are. And, and, and we, we build on that. That's
2: your dad quote for the day right there.
0: There you go. Yeah, th- th- no th- you, failed th- lessons, just lessons learned. I love it. Now that, you know that I think that's a I think that's a great example and 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 just to kind of bring a point back from when we were talking about a moment ago you know when when Tracy was saying how we've got to you know as retailers we have to we have to educate just like you ha- just Tom just like that's that responsibility falls on you as well it's a, it's an education all around and you know if the education lands from the manufacturer to the retailer then the retailer can translate it to the customer. But it also it's also a it's also kind of a circle of life deal, right? Because there's something that the consumer can teach us as retailers, and there's definitely lessons that the retailer can also teach you, right, Tom?
1: But always, every day we can learn something, right? Like we, you know, like I said, we fail all the time. You know, we we we've we've been able to grow as a company, but you know, you know, I look, I laugh because asylum, like I, I still have people today they'll be like, when are you going to come out with a Robusto? I'm like, I had a Robusto nine years ago. We came out with it. (laughs) But like, that is, uh, you know, when you look at branding as a brand, I I mean, we're very fortunate in every way, but people think of Asylum as big ring gauge. So uh, in the end, like, you know, you can think of Mercedes as luxury. You can think of Lexus or Louis Vuitton or w- all these brands, right? Uh, you you think of them as something, whether the luxury, w- whatever it is, it gives you. Uh, unfortunately, Asylum has been branded as a big ring gauge cigar, but we make everything. You know, now I I, I don't feel badly about it. We're we're we, we're the leader in the world in big ring gauge cigars. It's it's good, but. Sometimes I'm like, fuck, you know I made a Robusto for, like, nine years, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you just sit back and you're like, dude, I make Lancero, Robusto, Toro, everything you want, I already make. And it's been made for a decade almost. But, again, it's very easy to fall into the branding. And it's not a bad thing. Asylum has been branded as a big ring gauge, but we do everything. We we make every size you want to make we can make. so you know sometimes it's uh it, it just we we are labeled but I also look at that as the best blessing we can have. I mean people mm-hmm. think of uh, big ringgate cigars they think of asylum they think that th- this is the brand so if you're gonna try it, you're gonna smoke my stuff so it, it's got as positive and negative but it's always positive in the end you know oh absolutely. Well, that's a saying. There's no
2: bad marketing or no bad publicity.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: When there's bad marketing. There's no bad publicity. Yeah. You know what I mean, <laughs> if people think of you as that, then, I mean, I'm glad. I personally am glad that that's not the only offerings you make because Bear and I are not big, large ring gauge smokers. I mean, no, Bear, Bear so is. We turn
1: Bear. We turn Bear. <laughs> Bear is like a 60 right now. We got to yeah. turn. Yes. You got them turned. I mean, just for not you Tom. We won't <laughs> smoke 60 ring gauge. I mean, Lord knows there's videos out there with me
2: smoking 60 plus ring gauge videos or uh cigars. Uh but I mean, it's 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 not our it's not always in our lineup. So mm. yeah, yeah. You know,
0: yeah, I think there's, like I said, I think that it, there's a there's a lot to be said about the the relationship between, as we've kind of discussed and laid it out tonight, between you know the, the, again comes full circle with the relationship between the consumer and the retailer, retailer, the manufacturer, manufacturer to the retailer, retailer to the consumer, and so I, I, there's this uh, you know, and I, I think education is probably the biggest theme throughout that, um, and and so I wanna I wanna segue this into uh what i call our fun segments for the night and uh this is uh this next segment is called our one must go and as always uh-uh. it's brought to you by united cigars featuring la Gianna havana and distributors of jose dominguez bandolero garofalo and the highly acclaimed atabay and byron lines. so smoke one today and start living united so gentlemen uh Tracy, you haven't had—you know—this is your first appearance on LS Fumar Takes, so you haven't had a chance of doing this. Tom did this
2: last year. It has been a long time since I've been a virgin, so I'm really (laughs)
0: honored. (laughs) Well, the the concept, as our audience knows, is that I'm posing you guys with three different scenarios, three different choices, and you guys have to kick one to the curb. Now, this is going to be a tough one, I have to admit. But going back to our theme tonight of fatherhood. You know, there are moments in our in in, in fatherhood that we all cherish. And now this isn't for realsies. You're not really, you know, saying, uh, you know, I'll do away with that memory forever. But if there was if if, out of all these three memories with you and your children, which one had the least impact on you? You know, so that's that's what we're going for tonight. So here here are your three choices, gentlemen. You ready? We're ready. All right. So the first one is and Tom's already talked about and Tracy, too holding your, your, newborn for the very first time. Uh-huh. Okay. The second one is walking with them. And during their first steps, their first time walking it's, as they're kind of doing that toddle and that waddle through. And they they take those first few steps and being there for that moment or witnessing that moment. And then the third one is hearing them say daddy for the very first time. So out of those three iconic moments in a young child's development, which one had the least impact on you and why?
2: All right. So who's going first? Tom, you should go first.
1: Oh, take it, Chase. Take it.
2: All right. Uh, definitely has to be the walking part. Cause I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> now they're mobile. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's without a doubt. The other two are some of the most uh, incredible moments as a dad you'll ever feel. Don't get me wrong; it's really special to see him walk. But you're like, now they're mobile. Now I have to exercise, and uh, so I'll let that one go. You know, like uh, I think uh, I think not being there is less important than the birth. That's really important because you're holding them for the first time, looking in the face going, I must keep you alive and do everything to protect you. And then uh, as far as when they say daddy, that is like, when you hear that as a dad, that right there, it doesn't just speak to your ears. It speaks to your soul. So uh, yeah, that's my answer. Walking. Okay, Tom, what about you?
1: So, funny story, right? So I laugh because, like, you know, as you raise your kids, whatever, um, you know, your kids are born, like Tracy said, when they're born, like, it, it's the most moving moment in your life. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. When you
1: get to hold that child in your hands, like, there's nothing better than that ever. And then, Now you go to walking or you go to, they, they tell you, call you dad for the first time. But this is the best, this shit cracks me up like every day of my life. Right. Because I tell people like my son never called me dad. My first son. Why? Because nobody ever called me dad. Right. Like he was like, everyone called me Tom. So remember the first time my son called, he called me Tom. <laughs> he didn't say, "Dad." He's like, "Tom, Tom." He would call me Tom, like, "Hey, Tom," and I'd be like, and everybody be like, Dude, "Does that bother you?" I'm like, "Why would it bother me? Like, you're not my dad. You don't call me dad. Like, you're not my dad. You don't call me dad." So everybody call me Tom. So the first, you know, my son as he processed life, he didn't know me as dad. He know me as Tom. So I I laughed so hard because my son, like, the first time, it wasn't dad. It was, he just said Tom, right? (laughs) And I was like, people are like, doesn't that bother you? I'm like, why would it bother me? Like, that's who he knows me as. Mm -hmm. And as he got older, he called me dad, right? Because he knew, but, like, when he first started speaking, he didn't know. He didn't know I was dad. He just knew me as Tom because my wife called me Tom, my, everybody around called me Tom. So it was like so funny to hear my little man, right? Like this little guy who I love and adore is like, hey Tom, I'm like, what? <laughs> and you want to say like that? But I, I never took offense to it, right? Like, I was like, yeah, I'm Tom, right? Like, call me whatever you want. I don't give a shit. You know, you know I'm your dad. But uh, until later in life, like, he learned, like, oh, that's my dad. But nobody ever taught him. Like, how does a kid know he's, you're your dad other than you're there every day, right? But whenever when all everybody calls you is Tom, my son just said Tom. He called me Tom. <laughs> so, like, I would never give that moment away. So my moment would be walking for sure. Like the birth you can never exchange. That's number one. And, and then like to have him call me dad, that was later in life. He just called me Tom. Like, and I was totally good with that. That's funny.
0: <laughs> I have a, I have a somewhat of a similar story about the naming thing. Cause for, um, you know, I wanted to be, you know, I'm, I'm bare. So yes, I wanted to be folksy about it and I wanted to be called Papa that was my thing, you know, so we tried to refer around, you know, around my oldest son to me as Papa and, and, uh, we tried to get that to stick, but the problem was, you know, you know, because my wife and I both work, he spent a lot of time in daycare. And so his teachers would refer to me because they, they really cool at our daycare, they'll have, you, you, you give them photos of family members so that they can help develop and everything. And so they were teaching him daddy. And so my oldest, called me daddy and um and that's you know so it's it's been daddy so that at first it was you know you mentioned about it being bothered tom like at first it 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 did bother me a little bit i wanted him to call me papa but (laughs) like i said like like we've got you both have kind of said though like when when they still call for you for like the first time or or even the the 100th time and everything very early on and everything there's there's nothing that beats that moment for sure but it has come it, you know, there's been a lot of full circle discussion tonight, but it has come full circle. And what my oldest son has now said, because I have the opportunity to actually drop him off now at school. Yeah. And what he's taken to saying as he leaves, as he says goodbye to me, he's like, All right, see you later, Papa Bear. <laughs> and it brings me so much delight <laughs> and everyone gets a chuckle out of it. And I was like, no, this is, this is the best thing ever. It's awesome. <laughs> Cause I've, I've wanted this for six years. And, and now he's starting to say it to me and it, it's, and it was kind of organic because we'd kind of ditched the Papa thing for, for a long time. And, uh, and, uh, but it's kind of, it kind of c- happened organically. And so
1: I was like, I'm like yeah, oh, you know, like, you know, like, they only know what they know, right? Like I, I it just it, it baffled me that people thought it would bother me mm-hmm. when my son called me Tom, right? He'd be like, "Hey, Tom, Tom, Tom." I'm like, but I knew like nobody else around him called me Dad. Like nobody, that's all he knew. Everybody called me Tom, so he absorbed what was happening around him. And he just called me Tom because he knew that's what you know. That's what whether i was his dad or not he just knew people called me tom so he called me tom and that's funny I, I dude it like i never took offense to it i was never bothered by it like people thought i should be bothered i'm like why would he know anything different you know what i mean like everyone calls me tom my mom my dad my sister you know uh you know her my my brother-in-law Like, my in-laws, everybody called me Tom. So all he ever knew was people calling me Tom. I wasn't, like, training him to be like, hey, I'm Dad. I'm Dad. I'm Dad. He just knew me as Tom. So when he – it was funny. When he first called me Tom, people were, like, blown away. And I'm like, no, it's cool, man. That's what (laughs) You call me Tom all day long. I'm good. My kids
2: call me Dad or Captain Daddy. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, my real name, I'm like, wait a
1: minute. Wait a minute.
2: <laughs> yeah, Who let's... told you this?
1: <laughs> That's right. He didn't call me motherfucker or anything. You know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> I mean, all it, right, this it, cool. It is
2: an improvement. Tom is an improvement over motherfucker. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, so I was, I was
2: good. I don't know. I don't think I'm ever ready for the time where my kid goes full Samuel L. Jackson on me. So
1: you know, I laughed. It must have been my oldest son, like third birthday, right? Or not Christmas? It was Christmas, and uh, I used to laugh because, like, we got him. Uh, it was like a Craftsman's tool set thing, right, with the drawers and all that. Had all the tools, screwdrivers, all that shit in it, and. uh... He opened a drawer, but he pulled it all the way out, right? So all the tools fell on the floor. And he went, motherfucker. And I'm like, <laughs> me, me and my wife looked at each other. We're like, do not laugh. Because he's going to think that's okay, right? right. But we, we could not help it. We laughed our asses off. Because he used I mean, it in, in such for good for context, repentance. right? Yeah. yeah. But, like he, no, did, he, he didn't use it out of context. context. He used it in context. And then my wife's like, you taught him that, didn't you? I said, well, he probably heard the word from me at some point, but I I didn't train him to pull the drawer open. But it was so <laughs> funny, man, because it was, like, so in context. Like, he just he was so excited. He pulled the drawer. The whole drawer, drawer fell to the ground. Everything fell out. He's like, motherfucker. And I'm like. I look at her. And we're like, and we just started dying. We couldn't help ourselves, man. It, it was just funny. Well, that's so,
0: funny. My my oldest refer as he was learning the the English language and everything. Um, and listen, I I, I have a I have a I have a, you know a propensity for uh for curse words. I love them. I think they're fantastic. Um, and everybody everybody around this. I got a pause because. You're good. You're good, Tracy. It's all good. I'll, I'll go on the story. I got you.
2: All right. um, <laughs> no worries.
0: No worries. So, so we have, uh, you know, I have a propensity for curse words. I love them. It's, it's, I call it the seasoning of language. And, you know, there, there are certain people of my family who, you know, aren't necessarily big fans of the fact that I have, you know, such a repertoire in my language and that's, that's okay that's that's its own separate thing but i remember as my son was learning uh he referred to his socks as fucks so when he would say i want like he would be like fuck 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 like when he was putting on his socks and and you know we never laughed we never you know but he we knew what he was talking about and it wasn't because he was copying me it's not like i called my socks fucks or anything like that but but that was just him learning to talk. Right. And yeah. I just remember the first time when a particular relative had heard this and they were just so aghast by it and we're like, it's, this is your fault. I was like, Whoa, slowly roll. He's talking about his socks. You know, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not, he's not cop. There will come a time he will, he will, he will curse and that's fine. We can handle it when it does. But I, I to this day, Tom, I, my, my, my son has used poor language a couple of times, and each time we have corrected him. And I, you know, as far as I know, because I know our teacher, his teachers would have said something, but as far as I know, he listens about that. He knows that that is a, he knows that, that what a grown up word is. He knows that he's not allowed to say it. And he says, and that's kind of his biggest thing. He's like, when I'm a grown up, I can say that word. Yes, when you're a grown up, that's a long time away. Yes, it is. It's a long time away. <laughs> and so <laughs> he knows, he knows that there are. Off limits, right. you
1: know, right? It was too funny to correct my son at that point. <laughs> Not like he went around his whole life, but it was just like a simple fact. Like if I pulled a drawer out and everything found, I'd be like motherfucker. I would have said the exact same thing, right? Exactly. Like he just said it. He, he like it didn't stick in his vocabulary. It wasn't like he was walking around saying motherfucker all the time, right? But I, I swear to God, that has to be one of the funniest moments in the raising of my child. <laughs> like I so. swear, I think we died laughing so hard. It, it, and in the end, my wife, my ex, you know, my wife was like, That's your fault. You know, and I'm like, okay, maybe I'll take it. I'll take it. But he wasn't running around the you know, the house going, motherfucker, motherfucker, motherfucker. Like I I you know, in Detroit, you know, we have a big Arab community, right? So one of my very best friends is, we call him Big Red, but he's he's this giant, 370-pound Muslim, right? red hair and freckle, right? Blue eyes. You would never know he's Muslim. But he when my children were little, he would teach them all the Muslim swear words, right? <laughs> <So> they, <laughs> They, they didn't know he he he'd say like Kasimak right like and Kasimak's a really bad word in the Muslim language. <laughs> my my friend Big Red's over to the house where like we made dinner or something and my my, my son is like Kasimak 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 and my wife looks at me like what is he saying I said I don't know what he's saying but I knew what he was saying it's like fuck your mother right like. It's- <laughs> And, and red is just dying laughing at the other end of the table and, and I'm like I don't I, no it's okay I don't know what he's saying right but he <laughs> I hate that guy because he taught my kids like Muslim swear words but I'm <laughs> right like but it's just so funny because you hear your kids say it. they don't know what they're saying they're just saying it but the good part was my my, my wife did not know what he was saying so that was the good part. <laughs> Did I she ever you get clued in? There. Did she
0: ever get clued in?
1: Yeah. Oh, much later in life. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. I,
2: uh, <laughs> I got the there. We were, uh like, my mother, uh, and she'd be mad about this, taught my daughter how to say shit on accident while trying to set up the car seat. So my daughter goes around yelling, shit. And then, uh, of course, you know, there was a son of a bitch moment, you know, trying to put the cheese- stole my wife's keys and was trying to use them in the key lock and she's like son of a bitch can't find the right key <laughs> but and so I was so excited that I didn't because anybody that knows me <laughs> they know me and know my language my favorite word might be four letters to start with F so uh, we're at Walmart one day my daughter was I'm so glad you're telling this story 18 <laughs> months old Like 18, she might have been like, she might have been two years old at the time. And so we're walking out of Walmart and she's got this big rubber ball, like, you know, because you pass by shit and you're like, in order to get them to shut up, you're like, I'll buy you the fucking ball. (laughs) Anyways, that is not where she learned the language. We're walking out and this guy is driving through the parking lot. Like I always carried my daughter. she'd always like, daddy, let me walk inside the store. Okay. In the parking lot, not okay for this reason. So we're walking out to the car. We're done with our shopping. Now, I'm carrying my daughter. She's carrying this gigantic fucking ball. And this dude just coming down the aisle on his phone, he's texting away, you know. He's got important shit going on on his phone, I suppose. Uh, and his windows are down. And he clips me, and he's in a, like a 90s model F-250, so the mirrors stick out like three fucking feet. Clips me in the shoulder. Fortunately, not the shoulder my kid was on because uh, so it clips me in the shoulder. I got my daughter and immediately I forget she exists. And I yell out, you stupid motherfucker. So. You can imagine what my daughter starts yelling out. So we're I'm thinking, all right, you know. She hadn't said anything yet. We're walking. This guy parks. She gets out of his car. And my daughter goes, look, dad, there's that stupid motherfucker. And I was like, (laughs) you're right. That is that stupid motherfucker. Uh, And immediately, like, dad's sensory kicks in. I'm like, I should not let her say that. So the guy's like, excuse me. And I was like, you need to get inside because you're going to die if you don't. Like, run inside fast. And uh so now here comes the reprogramming part. I was like, quick, I got to think of something. So I was like, simple monkey farter. No, dad totally said simple monkey farter, simple monkey farter. I repeated the phrase, simple monkey farter, 6,843 fucking times. <laughs> Mother's laughing. She's like, simple monkey farter. She's clapping. She's like, simple monkey farter, simple monkey farter. I think I'm in the clear because thus far, I'm the one that has not taught her a bad word. And I went straight to the top with this one. So the next morning, I got to wake her up to take her to school at daycare, which was at a church. She's stretching My like, baby girl, it's time to get up. She wakes up. she stretches, She goes, motherfucker. I was like, goddamn reprogramming. Unsuccessful. <laughs> you <laughs> so know i have to have a meeting with the uh the dean of this school and i was like uh there's a possibility she may say something that's highly inappropriate and the dean closes the door she's like what might she say and i was like we were at walmart she said say no more <laughs> <laughs> So to this day, I'm so glad my daughter. She does not like cussing. Uh, she, you know, I'm sure she does it with her friends. She's 11, so she probably thinks she's getting away with it and says it like uh, in streams of whatever. I mean, she may not. She's she's a pretty good kid. So you know, she's a really good kid. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure around her friends, she probably used the colorful language. But uh, that day, I thought I was in the clear. and I didn't have to tell my wife that my daughter just learned how to say stupid motherfucker. Now, as an adult, and uh, she's getting there. I hope she remembers that phrase when she becomes like 18, 19, 20. But when she was like two, not, not helpful. Fortunately
1: Straight. for me, she didn't say anything did. at school. But you did uh, yeah. the the right words.
2: Straight and and she totally like, I mean, context, everything that you look for in the English language was correct, except for the vocabulary aspect of it. So uh, yeah. Yeah, she uh, she quickly learned how to say stupid motherfucker, but she got that ball, and that was all that was important to her. There you go. Yeah, she got the ball.
0: Yes. <laughs> I love that story. I've heard, it so, I've heard it several times. It's still simple monkey fighter. That's awesome. Simple monkey fighter. Yeah. So gentlemen, again, appreciate you participating in tonight's uh, one must go. I, I, I'm with you guys on the walking thing. That one's got to go. Uh, compared to the other two, they're just they're kind of just magical moments. But uh, as always, uh, our one must go is brought to you by United Cigars, featuring Lagiana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Bay and Byron Line. So smoke once a day and start living United. Uh, so this next segment gentlemen, has become one of my personal favorites just because we get to spotlight and highlight, uh, you know, things that are more important than ourselves. And I started this tradition on my birthday last year. Um, and uh, so since then, each week I've asked my guest or guests in this case to highlight or spotlight and select a charity or nonprofit of their choosing that we're going to focus on raise awareness for and potentially raise a little bit of money for as well so uh i'm really pleased uh tonight to the couple of uh couple of charities that we're doing one's really close to uh, to tom's heart and the organization that he's a part of and tracy chose a, a charity that is close to our community that we live in here in texas so um, Tracy, we'll start with yours. You selected Grace, uh, which is an organization based out of Grapevine. Now, this is a terrific nonprofit that does a lot of different services and programs, uh, starting with uh, actually what they're probably most known for, at least publicly is their resale store they they sell kind of like goodwill they have resale stores where they sell uh donated items uh you know for small you know for small amounts of money basically to keep the lights on but to ha- help those less fortunate you know you know you know make their homes more homes, put food, you know, put clothes on their children's back and so forth. And so it's a really great program, but they also have a clinic, they have client services, they have a food pantry, they have a community garden. um, And they also do, they actually are involved in transitional housing. Um, So Tracy, when I gave you, uh, when I asked you for a charity, you actually went about this in a, in a, in a pretty unique way. And I wanted you to share why you chose grace um as part of as the the nonprofit that you wanted to to focus tonight
2: uh they're their local one and you know there's no greater way to see the impact of a a, a charities and to see it in actually community uh but also because 100% of what gets donated to them I, i'm pretty sure they have nothing but volunteers so um like Over the years, we've donated stuff for charity auctions for them, and uh, they do great things to the community, but there, it's not like a, a large entity charity that somebody, the chairman is making 20 of money off of. So it's, it's truly something that the proceeds go to the people it's intended to go to, and that's important to me as a human being to see that whatever I donate to goes to actually help what the cause is. So I hope after whiskey, I was able to uh, articulate that.
0: <laughs> no, it's a great organization. And you're right there. They are, they are community driven, they are volunteer driven, and they they do all these different tasks and they've, they've, they've actually roped in a, a really, really well-represented board of trustees. So their board of directors actually include everything from local Church leaders uh, to to business owners and, you know, even, you know, people like the, the president of the board is actually uh, uh, on the board of Texas Health uh, Harris Methodist, which is a really large uh, hospital here in the area. Um, but again, some of their more prominent members are members of local churches and not just the same church. This isn't one church driven. This is, you know, several area churches that contribute to grace and, and have a really big part of it. So it was a, it's a really great organization. And I'll be uh, posting uh, the, uh, the donate uh, in the, the donate uh, button here in the link here in just a second. It'll also be in the show notes later on. But, um, you know, we've had a couple of our guests spotlight local charities, and it's really great to see these things go to work. Um, so we'll, I'll be posting that here in, in just a moment. But um, but to that point, um, what we've also seen, and Tom, I want to turn it over to you here in a second. But what we've also seen is a lot of the companies that you know have I've had the privilege of interviewing uh, people from those from those companies have formed their own foundations, um, have formed their own charities, and do a lot of great charitable work. I think one of the most Uh, you know, arguably one of the most infamous in the industry is the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which the Fuente family runs, along with the Newmans. Um, But, um, Tom, you and Christian and uh, the entire CLE family have uh, formed their own foundation, which is the CLE Foundation, uh, that does great work down in Honduras. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about
2: that?
1: Yeah, you know, like, obviously, you know, when we look at the industry and the people and you know, Christian uh, has nothing but respect for uh, Carlito Fuente and their family and and their thing. I like I, I actually just went. They do <clears throat> probably one of the best charity events in the entire world uh, in Detroit. Like last week, Thursday, I was at it's called Cars and Cigars. And it's a... Uh, some local guys in Detroit, Tom Chalani and Dario uh, Bergamo, they put this event together many years ago. And uh, so the guys bring out, you know, we there's a whole event, they bring out cigars. I think they did, they cut it down a little bit this year because of COVID, but it was 1,400 people. Uh, and you see like what the Fuentes have done, building schools and things like that in you know, the years I've been with, with Christian, whether it's Camacho or our new company, you know, we, we've uh, done it on our own scale. Not to that, but like, you know, we put bathrooms in schools. We do that. Uh, I look at what we've done through COVID. We provide all the testing for the families. We do mammograms like we bring in mobile units uh, to give breast cancer Uh, awareness uh, for, for the women, because there's no hospitals there. And and so Christians made it very important for him, uh, (coughs) you know, for a, a a man who's grew up in Honduras, who who see what they miss and don't have (coughs) uh, to provide these things. So, you know uh, we've done schools, we, you know, we, we 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 participate, but we really want to get more into uh, the breast cancer. We want to buy some trucks to provide the, but they're about a quarter million dollars a piece. Um, so everything we do now is to give back to the community in Honduras. Uh, you know the people there ha- have helped us in every way, grow our business. Uh, you know the families and in the culture and and everything we do so you know we're very small it's a new thing that we're doing uh but we want to you know for through all the years i mean you know the cle foundation is much newer but even at camacho we used to bring all the kids in from the danley area uh provide other school supplies we build uh like you know if they A lot of these schools don't have even bathrooms so we build bathrooms and things like that and now as we grow as a company you know we want to give uh kids opportunities to get out so whether it's a scholarship program that we're going to build or uh programs to build bathrooms for the schools and you know our biggest program now is uh mammograms for the women because they're just not accessible in Dan Lee, Honduras. So, you know, we, we've we paid to have trucks come in, but what we want to do now is actually buy the trucks, own the trucks, have them come in uh, for breast cancer awareness. And so if women need help, we, we get them the help they need. So it's, uh, it's a new thing, you know, we, we've been working on it for a number of years, but it, it, it's new. Uh, we're trying to grow this thing I- into something that we can really benefit the people of Honduras who have helped us grow as a company. You know, like we couldn't do it without the people of Dan Lee Honduras. And so we want to give back to that, give them uh, health care that they need, opportunities that they need. So it's, uh, it's a very important thing for us.
0: That's awesome. Two two amazing charities that we're focusing on tonight. And um, you can check out uh, I, I just posted the link to the CLE Foundation Facebook page in the in the chat. You can check it out there. If you're interested in donating, you can uh, donate at uh, and, and get in touch with them at CLE uh, Foundation at CLE and uh, find out where you can actually uh, get to some of your donations to. But great organizations. Uh, I mean, that's fantastic what you're able to do, Tom. Uh, what you and Christian have built with this foundation just in a short time, and 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 focusing on an area that again, like I mean, it has nothing to do with cigars. You know, these are these are these are mammograms for for people who don't like you said don't have access to it. So it's it's an important task that you guys are doing. And that's awesome, and as always, you know, each week, you know, we 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 spotlight these charities, gentlemen, and you know, as always, my my wife and I have pledged since we started this that we'll be making small donations uh, later this week uh, to your respective organizations in y'all's honor. So, um, pre- pleased to donate to two amazing organizations, the CLE Foundation and Grace. So, so thank you very much for bringing those to our attention tonight.
1: Nah, thank you, man.
0: Um, so kind of shifting things again, to go back to the cigar industry for a little bit, and then we'll, we'll, f- we'll finish off the night with our curveball segment, which goes back to, to fatherhood to close out our father's day episode. But, uh, w- you know, we would be remiss within a few weeks, you know, we're going to be the entire cigar industry is going to be embarking on to Vegas and the PCA trade show is going forward. We haven't had a trade show in, in two years now, this will be, there was no trade show in 2020 because there was nothing in 2020. Thanks COVID. Um, so uh, the trade show is going forward and of course, Tom Asylum and CLE and Iroa Cigars will be there. Um, is the footprint going to look any different than in years past or is it the same booth uh, that you guys have done in years past? Is it going to look any different? Uh, what can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, no, it'll be a little different. You know, um, <clears throat> uh, you know obviously COVID has affected our industry in many different ways. Uh, but you've seen a trend like of uh, modeling down and those things. But our booth space will be the same space. Uh, we we've decided this year not to bring the big booth with the displays, do all that. It'll be forty by forty. We'll have everything we normally have, but it's going to be just more relaxed, more you know, uh, comfortable, more more just seating and. and Minimal, you know, we'll, we'll have our displays of our product, but it'll be just more minimal, you know, because it's just, uh, the, you know, I, I think what has happened over time, you know, and what COVID has taught us is we don't necessarily, we don't need a trade show to do our business, right? Like I can write the same amount of business, I can write more business without it and be more profitable, but it's very important for us to su- support the organization that is uh, fighting all the battles that we have, you know? So w- when we sit back and say, are we going to go to the show or not go to the show? We're always going to go to the show. We're going to be there. We'll be a but like, you know, people need to go. We, we need to support, you know, it's millions and millions of dollars of year a year that go to fighting taxes and, and, and all the FDA stuff and you name it what what's happening so it's important to be there we'll always be there we might you know like this year we're gonna you know have a very good presence but we're gonna change up the booth because you know in the end uh, we would rather give the money to the trade show than to, you know, some company charging me forty-seven thousand dollars to bring to to literally drive a booth from the dock to my booth space. Yeah. You know, the costs have gotten out of control, um, and and I know IPC, uh, you know PCA understands that. So we're all trying to do things uh, to, to to best benefit all of us in, in the organization. But we'll be there you know, we want people to to donate. We want people to be there. Like we we need to support uh, the main organization that fights the battles that we need. So if I can spend less on a booth and give more to them, even better.
0: Now, Tracy, you mentioned that uh, this is going to be, I mean, 20, taking 2020 out of it, because, you know, like I said, there was no trade show, but you know, this will be the first year in again probably over a decade that you haven't been at the trade show um but what what are you looking forward to uh from from this year's trade show uh, as far as you know from from either your your personal perspective or from a retail perspective however you want to speak to it what are you looking forward to from this year what are you looking to see
2: uh i mean yeah i will not be there but uh we will be there as a company correct Uh, so uh i think brandon and i uh,
1: Why are you going
2: uh you know it's making I sure that
1: don't we yeah. Don't gotta <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah so we'll, we'll be here you know putting together the what we need to give you guys money yeah. so uh, you know it's, uh, as every business out there took a hit you know so did we so uh you know we'll we're, we're looking to recoup it, but, uh, you know, Mike and Bob will both be out there uh, having uh, have, I mean, they're setting meetings. So if you haven't got your meeting set with them, go ahead and reach out to Mike or Bob on that. Um, but, uh, you know, just coming back together uh, as far as like uh, PCA is, you know, I know there's been some, some, uh, some issues with some folks. Not everybody's going to be at PCA, uh, but you're right, Tom, you brought up a really good point that, uh, you know, our lobbyists drive out of the funds that we provide to the PCA. So it's very, very important to support that. Uh, I mean, we, we as a industry should be working together to fund these lobbyists to help fight off any tobacco taxes, any, any, anybody jumping, you know, trying to target us as an industry to take uh, well, to take away from what we do, you know, whether it be from the uh, the, the artistry of the boxes to the meanings. But I mean, anybody who's involved in the cigar community understands that this is much, much greater than sitting down smoking a cigar. I mean, we... We as an industry, we as a, a community more than an industry work together to, you know, provide jobs in both the US as well as, you know, third world countries like Honduras, Dominican, Nicaragua, and not to mention any kind of trade agreements we may as a country have with them, but real realistically, companies like CLE take care of their employees and in countries that the countries themselves don't take care of the people. So, uh, you know, we're not just about providing a great product to the community, we're about extending the community. So uh, through charities, through uh, several organizations. So, you know, I'm looking more towards everybody coming together at the, the trade show to to be able to continue to do these things that we do, the extenuation of what's beyond just the cigars in this industry. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's a passion in the industry that's helped build and drive many nations. So uh, looking forward to those guys coming together. Uh, I mean, I'll be active and be able to see and hear and I'm, I'm sure I'll get phone calls from guys at the show. So we'll be all in uh, emotionally as well as physically into investing into the PCA and what it's offering. So uh, we're excited about what, uh, let me try to word this the best, Uh, but the overall outcome, not just what products, what new products are coming in. We are excited about that too uh, for our consumers, but as an industry we're excited to see what kind of growth and development we can kind of come up with, uh, throughout the industry. So.
0: I think we're all excited to see everyone come together and everything. Uh, it's been too long and and it, it's, you know, even though you'll be missing out this year, Tracy, I know that Michaels will be well represented and, and I know you'll be hold, holding the fort down as you entrusted me and, and all of us for a great number of years too. So it's, uh, it's something that's going to be exciting for this industry for sure. Um, I have two last que- two last quick questions for you, gentlemen, and then we have our curveball segment. Are we good for that? You think? Yes, sir. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so, Tracy, Skip Martin was in the chat. He set the over/under. I took. I said take the over. He said mortal luck. The number is seven. How many blades do you have on you right now on your person?
2: Why did I know this was going to come up? All right. So. I don't know, as I mentioned. So, this I took out of my pocket. This has been my cigar cutter for the night. It's by Two Saints. Uh, they're out of France. Let's see, what else we got? That's one. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, represented from the Philippines. Handmade custom. Gorgeous cigar. Uh, cigar. Jeez. Uh, knife. Uh Let's move on here. That's
0: two. Here we go.
2: We had Norway in the house. The tiny little sweet Atomax from Craft Labs.
0: Three. Mm
2: -hmm. Heretic Knives. Four. Mm Mm-hmm medford knives it's yeah a cigar cutter there you
0: go it's five that's one of your, i know medford's one of your personal faves
2: i i do enjoy i i, I do love a lot of plates we're we going with just knives right
0: mm-hmm.
2: all right uh The Srambit by uh, Borka. so that sexy beast right there. There we go. Tracy, where do you keep that knife on your
1: body?
0: He's got it. He's well. He had that in a look like a side sheath, right?
1: Yeah, i <laughs> Dude, I like. I love, I'm sitting here going, look. I'm fucking naked, bro. I got none <laughs> on I, I, Well, I, you know. Oh, uh, myself.
2: How many is that, Bear?
1: That's six.
0: There's seven.
2: That's the ice cream by Bastinelli. Uh, I think that's it. I mean, oh, I, man. Oh,
1: Skip, Skip Martin with the caught. Right on the note. I said I think, think that. One one.
2: Let me check my pockets.
1: Yeah. Five, one, check your sock. Find one more. Skip can't get it right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a brass knuckles.
1: Well, titanium knuckles.
2: That's all I all right, forge. That's it. You win. <laughs> uh, no, that's just a coin. Money clip from uh that was a gift from uh Fast Nelly. I mean, it's got a Oh, a there place. we go. So there it
0: is. There's there the one. There it is. Oh my gosh.
2: So, there's that. Let's see where the other pocket holds. <laughs> I love this. Spare magazine. <laughs> I guess I stole that. Spare magazine. Uh, flashlight. A pry bar. If you're in the cigar industry and you don't keep a pry bar on you, some people still use nails in their boxes. This one, uh, that's from Chavez Nice. Captain America right there from uh Metal Worm. All right, so that's it. That's it. Of course. It's about
0: they're... nine, I guess. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. <laughs> A light day for you. A light day for right. you.
2: Well, I mean, I'm in shorts and at the shop. It's after hours. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. So, so nine I, is the perfect number. Nine is
2: <laughs> now skip was right seven with sharp pointy objects seven the rest of them are blunt you know
0: <laughs> that's awesome well the nine's a good number though because uh uh tom uh, you know coming out coming into uh this year's pca yeah. uh asylum nine your ninth anniversary you guys are going to do uh you've done the, did the seven which you know i loved that cigar uh um, yeah the eight from last year. And then now
1: you guys are going to do a nine as well. Is that correct? It is. It is. We did the pre-sale. It's all done. Uh if you didn't order it, you can't get we it. We got some of those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're uh Where do they're the- if you didn't get our order in. <laughs> Tracer's
2: great people, so he, he got it. Did you order a nine by ninety? Yeah, I did. I don't know My- why I did, but I did. I'll probably a, we'll do a so, video where I smoke one so I can get all kinds of really sweet inner, inner, internet offers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I, I your, smoke your, the, your, the your woodies mid- by leaf cigars. Right. Yeah. And, uh, that's probably why I deleted my Facebook because I got so many messages about videos that people wanted me to do uh, movies. I got some movies that you can audition for. I was like, yeah, I don't think so. You also
0: did the uh the
2: uh the La Aurora cigar too, as well. Yeah, so that uh, one was a special one. Or the Or, one, uh, or, Dodge, yeah, the or was, Dodge. uh it was uh well, I did that, but then before that was the uh, La Aurora in a black uh, in the Black Diamond series. It was 16 by 60. And that was because I made the mistake of drinking rum with many I know So uh he, uh, he was like, he was giving me shit about uh, doing the, uh, what is it, the, the rapper thing. And, uh, you know, where you, you go through like five different rappers. And it was uh, Jose Blanco's originally was doing the five rapper thing. Mm-hmm. So Manny took over and he was going through this. Now, I had personally been through that experience before. So I didn't say anything about the fact that I got one that uh, I had pressed. I had to press, you know, so it smoked faster than the rest. And so everybody was on like their second or third wrapper and I was done. And he was like, you smoke too fast. I believe what he said was you smoke too fucking fast. And I was like, no, man, it was like, it is what it was. You know, I I got this cigar that was not meant to be released to the public. So it was, uh, you know, it's not something that gets tested to see if it draws well. Mine drew too well. Uh, so in, in a uh, rum induced uh, conversation he said he was going to make me a cigar bigger than they had ever made before and this was uh, many many years ago and it was uh, and I was like the only way I'm going to smoke a cigar that fucking big is uh, if any of y'all have ever been on the La Roar tour uh, there's a uh, what is his name uh uh Guillermo the owner or Anoa or, or no, uh, he, he does. He typically does the tour for him and he smokes that 15 by 60. That's in the 1495 blend. And my brain, uh, and whiskey have, uh, eliminated who it's for anyways. He says he's going to give me a scar just like that, but bigger. And, uh, it was a 15 inch by 60 ring gauge that, uh, know he he smokes and the reason he smokes it is because uh his wife tells me he can only smoke one cigar a day uh gosh what is his name super good dude uh anyways so Manny and I are drinking and uh at, at dinner of course it wasn't just like we were let's grab a bottle and get messed up uh and he's like I'm gonna make you this cigar and so the next day this was uh a little shout out to Barry. This is when Barry was with, uh, Laura Warren, uh, before he went to two guys. Um, and so the, the next day they showed up and, uh, it was me and the guys from Mickey blades and Mickey Blakes and, uh, out of, uh, uh, Connecticut. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 And, uh, and, uh, let's see, uh, Rhode Island. We had, uh, Havana's, uh, and anyway, several of us, and like five of us. So the next morning, I'm thinking there's no way he's going to fucking remember. So I was like, the only way I'm going to smoke a cigar that big is if it is the the uh, Black Diamond. And he's like, done, slams his hand down. And I was like, I meant to say Cien Anos Maduro. <laughs> Which Manny kindly reminded me that uh, Guillermo would murder both of us if we used that much Cianonius Maduro tobacco to make a uh, cigar that was uh, a gimmick. So we dubbed this cigar. The next morning it shows up, and it's uh, the Black Diamond Blend in a 16 by 60. Now, that's like uh, uh, fingertips to elbow. And uh, the only stipulation was I actually had to smoke it. So I did. Uh, I got a lot of wonderful offers from that too. But uh, (laughs)
1: yeah,
2: Yeah. so um, we called it the La Pequena, which uh, I didn't name it because my Spanish is La Pequena, but, uh, you know, it's called the little one. So uh, an an endearing name for sure yes yes the little one uh so it was made for us in texas there's a couple other guys got to experience it it's really cool but uh yeah yeah so tom if you make one you know i guess i'm i'm up for smoking it I'm um, anything for uh anything for a show i suppose Well, we
1: got something <laughs> coming for you it's Right, It'd probably 90. be a little more intimidating than a 60 by 16. He says, says, what, oh, 9 wow. by 90? Yes, sir. God damn. It's going right. to hurt.
2: My mouth <laughs> to be full cool with a 9 by 90. when I <laughs> uh, So, there we go. Yeah,
1: there. You, it'll be painful. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'll
2: smoke it.
0: It's going to be a good one for sure. So, so this uh, leads us into our last questions tonight, gentlemen. And before we get to it real quick, I do have to thank you both so much uh, for making another Father's Day uh, so memorable for me and for sitting down with me for a few hours this evening. And uh, it means so much to me for you guys to be a part of it. Thank you so much. I know this time is family time. I know it's been a long day for all of us, a long week, and we're getting ready to start another one here uh, in just a few hours. So uh, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for you all both being here today.
1: Thank you for the uh, invite. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Bear. Thank you. Thank you both.
0: So this leads us into our last segment of the night, which is always our curveball segment uh, sponsored by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter. Since the company's inception, Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Six consecutive years in the consensus top three. Yep. I looked it up. I even got fact checked by my good friend and partner on the Scarcoop primetime show, Will Cooper. Six consecutive years in the consensus top three. Gentlemen, this is going back to our theme for tonight, which is fatherhood. And I think we actually even kind of even touched on this. And as Tracy said, there are no failed lessons. There are just lessons, which is the quote that we're going to definitely take from tonight. But to that point. (laughs) (laughs) But to that point, here's the question, uh, the curveball question for you both. If you could unteach a lesson your children learned from you, what would it be?
2: Definitely how to appropriately say, motherfucker.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Simple monkey farters.
2: Simple monkey farters. All right. You know, I don't know. Response. Take time. I think I'd rather them unlearn the response time, you know, like the reaction to situations, more importantly than the language that they've learned from me. Like the reaction, take time to. Truly think through the reaction before giving the reaction. Makes That's sense. The
1: answer. I'd have to agree with that one for sure, Tom. It's a tough question right here, man. Like this, this is one of those that like you got to really look at yourself first, right? So I I, I kind of appreciate where you know Tracy went with this. Um, but I, I, you know, like I never, I'm not a person that looks back. So, you know, when we, when we talk about something I want to unlearn, I, I I think you learn from your mistakes. So I I don't, I I honestly, my answer is there's nothing I want to teach my children only because I think they're going to learn from. Even if it's not right or wrong, they'll learn from it. it and they have to learn in their own way how to uh, overcome things. Right. So, sure. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. There's nothing, man. Like, uh, I, you know, I, I could tell them, hey, don't swear, don't, don't do this. But uh, in the end, like, I'm far from perfect. Uh, but if they take a shot and, do something that, you know, like I said, in the end, it doesn't work out or it doesn't work. There's nothing I can go back on in my, in my kid's life that I would say I, you know, it might be wrong. Totally. I, I, there's things I can say. I've, I've probably done wrong, but I don't think there's anything I can say that would change how it formed my children. Like they should make mistakes. They should have things they've done wrong. Uh, so I, I can't think of anything offhand that I would I would think different, right? Other than maybe a motherfucker here, you know, like like crazy. <laughs>
2: yeah, because we're talking about the mistakes that we've taught them.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so, like, I, I you know, I want to say, listen, I, I can easily say there's many things I should have taught them better. But is there something I taught him wrong? No, there's nothing you teach wrong. You are who you are, right? Like Mm -hmm. I could say my dad taught me wrong, something. But it would make me different than who I am today. So like I I would never look at my dad and say, you taught me this wrong. I'm blaming you. We all form who we are. We we all come up with who we are. And we can make excuses for it. We can get above it. Uh, Be above it, man. Nobody's ever taught me something wrong.
0: You know you know, I had a feeling that would kind of be along the lines of the answer, you know, and everything. And I, I love Tracy's answer as well. I wish I, you know, I am impatient too. You know, you Tom, you talked about your father being impatient as well. Yeah. And I wish <laughs> I, I wish I could teach my children to be, you know, to to, to not take a lesson from their that dad in that case and, and be a little bit more patient. Um, but I, I will I kind of go back to you what you were just saying though, Tom. It's a it's an old Jeff Foxworthy joke where he says You know, I just can't wait. I've got young children. This is, you know, it's the greatest time of my life. I can't wait to, you know, for me to, you know, sweat and bleed and cry my way through their development, through their childhood so that they can grow up, be grateful, go on Oprah and blame every damn problem they have on me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. um, Yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and then he goes on to say, he's like, I just want one time to go for one, someone to show up on one of these shows and say, you know what? My mommy was great. My daddy was great. I'm just a shithead.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um,
0: it's, it's, uh, it's definitely one of those jokes that I kind of rings in my ears as I became a parent. And I, I kind of take that with me too. Like, you know, I, I'm going to do the very best that I can and I love my children and um, you know, I know we all, the three of us love our children, and I know that we do the very best we can. And and it, I, I I go back to that, Trace. That's a great that's a great lesson. There are no failed lessons. They're just lessons.
1: They're and just I, lessons, right? Like you go through life, and whether you learn from it or don't, but you you do in a way, right? Like so, I just look at things like you learn from it. Yeah, can yeah. I look back? Yeah, I'm sure there's tons of things I can look back on and think differently on. But if I did them different, would I be who I am today? So, like, I teach my kids: be who you are, do what you want to do, like be a good person. But outside of that, like, do what is good for you. Don't don't worry about me. Like, respect your family, respect your name, do those things like simple things my dad taught me, like if if you're going to do something, do it right. If not, don't do it at all. Cause people look at you like, you know, you're, you're lazy or whatever. So all the, the simple things in life, like or common sense things to me is like, you always do things to the best of your ability, whether it's at, at, at a professional level, a media level, or a novice level, doesn't matter. It's just the level you're at, but as long as you do it the best you can, you give all your effort. Hey, fuck it. What 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 matters? Who cares? You know, Do I your think best. at the end of the day, what we all want as parents is for our kids to grow
2: up, to know one hundred percent who they are, not who we yeah. are, not who we who they think we want them to be, but who they are, and be comfortable in their skin to be who they are, no yeah. matter what that entails. So if they, you know, whether they want to jump into the tobacco business like we have. Or if they want to create their own path. Uh, sorry, John he I didn't mean to steal your own line there. Uh, I was wearing that shirt earlier. Uh, but we want as parents for our kids to grow up and learn from our fuck ups. I mean, to know how, I mean, sometimes the most valuable lessons you can learn are not how to do something, but how not to do something. Yeah. You know, we want our kids to be better parents to their kids, whether they're going to be dads or they're, whether they're going to have a Father's Day or they're going to be a, the Mother's Day and celebrate them. We want them to be 100% comfortable with who they are as a human being so that way it can transcend to their parenting stuff. You know, we're not disappointing our kids. We're always going to support and love our kids. They're going to do some fucked up shit. They're going to screw up along the way. You know, our guide, you know, well, our job is to guide them make sure that they don't screw up in a catastrophic manner it, it,
1: it, five to ten year kind of way right yeah
2: <laughs> yeah so you know i mean as long as they're able to at the end of it be themselves and 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 still be respectable human beings still be able to 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 take on and maybe teach how we taught them something in a different manner I don't know. I mean, I, we just want our kids not to grow up, to be assholes. Uh, <laughs> <Exactly. I> mean, <laughs>
0: be kind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Have manners, you know, but still, you know, there, there should be a balance who you are as a human being, you know, and, and not be a people pleaser, but number one, you got to learn how to be content with you to be able to, to grow and develop somebody else. And you know, be a, be the best friend, be the best of uh dad or best mom, or you know, all those things. They're going to learn those lessons, and sometimes they learn them from us, and sometimes they learn them how not to do it from us. So, yeah, you know, uh, we'll see how it turns out. I agree. I well, think gentlemen- uh, knowing you guys, knowing you guys for as long as I've known you guys, I you know, I obviously you're not my dad's. You know, there's not been a fatherly advice exchange between us other than like, man, my kid did this. Oh, shit, I would have done it that way. But <laughs> you know, you're, you're great guys. You got great kids. You know, they're going to turn out to be great human beings, to do great things. Whether they follow our legacies or create their own. You know, uh, that's the exciting part is to see what they do with what we teach them. You know, we can teach them all day long, but... When they have, when they when they start applying what they've learned, that's that's what it means to us. I don't need my kid to repeat to me what I want them to say. I need them to repeat to me to play later on. You know.
0: One hundred percent.
1: Yeah, straight up.
0: Well, gentlemen, happy Father's Day.
1: Happy Father's Day to Yeah, Happy Father's Day, Bear Tracy.
2: Oh, and have positive all you uh, Facebook landia, Instagramias, and Twitter uh, paters <laughs> and whatever other social medias, whatnot that might be watching this. Watch their show, smoke Tom cigars, and come see me to buy all of that. So.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. Happy Father's Day to everyone out there. For everyone, I love I love, and appreciate all those likes, shares, and comments. Keep them coming. Check out our Facebook page, El Fumar. Like it. Check out our YouTube channel, El Fumar. Like it as well. If you are listening to this podcast later, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure you down- download, subscribe, and review. And if you already are a subscriber, I appreciate it. Do me a favor. Unsubscribe but don't forget to hit the resubscribe button because that actually helps my numbers and that can continue to bring on great guests like the two gentlemen that I had this evening. So for everyone out there, this was our 173rd take Got 173 of these. It's a fantastic journey. Can't wait to continue it next week with you all. And for everyone out there, I'm Baird DePlissey live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star studio of Euless, Texas. He's Tracy Spence. He's Tom Lazuka. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.